Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. So welcome to our Friday the 13th show. Yes, I know it's October 12th, but tomorrow's so booked with uh, with uh, folks, our regular folks. I, I can't do a Friday the 13th show on Friday the 13th, which is probably a good idea. Because Friday the 13th always reminds me of uh, when I got fired on Friday the 13th from WBY. And so I don't want to dwell on it too much, and people probably think I talk about it too much. But it really was a huge setback in so many ways. Uh, in fact, you'll, if you look at the title of the show today, um, it's, well, first of all, we got Jason Shepard coming back. Jason Shepard is the founder of Wimkin. He's uh, just a, a brilliant social media promoter, producer, and uh, he's just he's back for a second time. So we're going to talk politics. We're going to talk social media. We're going to talk about uh, big tech censorship and various other things. But uh, Friday the 13th, uh, it's, it's just kind of ironic. My last guest on Friday the 13th, right before I got fired, uh, was Ron DeSantis. <laughs> it's really kind of funny. So I dragged out that show, and I thought, what can I do on Friday the 13th? And again, this is Friday the, tomorrow, I'm, we're, we're book solid. We've got uh, Tara Deke with the Animal Shelter Report you know, at, uh, at 7 when we start. And then we've got uh, Derek Park with the Financial Report. Uh, and then we've got uh, Candy Pettacard with uh, the Black Mama Gun Report. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Mama Bear, excuse me, Black Mama Bear Gun Report. I love that title. Then we've got John Delmonico with the Women's Firearm Academy Report. Uh, we're just full of contradictions. And then I've got Jenna McCarthy, uh, who wrote a book with uh, Dr. Pierre Corey uh, on the war against ivermectin. So tomorrow's completely full. And so I don't have time to do my Friday the 13th show on Friday the 13th. So, I mean, generally it's a good day for me. But there was this one day in, in uh, uh, July uh, of 2018 when I got fired. And I still, like, it just, it's such a waste because we were doing so well. And we had so many national guests. And it was just, I just come back from CPAC and I had amazing things happen. And, uh, and again, my last guest, and I don't know if this is a moment or not. I wonder if I should tell him this, right? So if Ron DeSantis, when, when he comes back on the show, Someday, which I'm sure you will. Uh, we're rebuilding. And then, of course, COVID hit, right? So, so I, I get kicked out of the BBY, and then we are, you know, nobody knows who I am or where I am. And I all again, I'm building, and we're we're starting to get some success there. And then, of course, COVID hit, and we got censored, you know, for the truth. And we're still under that. Uh, I've got like three 90-day suspensions in a row. They keep adding them on. They'll, they find something. So, oh, time to suspend Greg again. Let's, uh, you know, let's see, see what we can find. And then they just pick something arbitrary. Uh, I think the last time I got censored for posting. Uh, a trailer for Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> Apparently, that was what that was that was sexual something or other. Even though everybody's seen it since like '78, <laughs> but was '78 or '79 it came out. Whatever it was, or '80, whatever it was, it's been out for 50 years. Uh, and so I guess those folks are kind of old now. I don't think about it. Let me see, '80. No, let me see. It was '80. That would have been 30, yeah, 50 years ago. Jeez, what a riot. I guess I'm getting old. Anyway. Point being, I'm going to play that show. Uh, I'm going to play that final hour, my last hour at WBY. Uh, I think I'm going to make it a Friday the 13th tradition. Uh, in fact, I've got the whole show. I might even, uh, someday I'll, when I get a two-hour block, um, I'll play that. Because, you know, when you listen to all the stuff I had to do, the news, the weather, the traffic, um, you know. And we had some cool reports, though. We had a, we had a beach report. We had a lifeguard report. Um, we had uh, a fishing report. We had all this local stuff. It was incredible. And, of course, all those people disappeared because they didn't know where I went. And I couldn't tell them, you know, for, it just, there was whatever it was. That, and then they wouldn't come back on 
you know, because you know, six months later, I was on block track, and by then they're doing other things. And, you know, as well, you know, because the, the, the door is always open uh, for folks that were on WBY to come back. But Friday shows were kind of crazy just because, like I said, we did the fishing, the boating, you know, anything else that came by. So, but it's just ironic that my last guest was Ron DeSantis, and like three minutes after uh, the show ended, the boss walks in and, and gives me the news, right? So I'm, but the funny thing is, I'm still happy, you know, not not bad, but I mean, on the show, it's like I'm optimistic. There's things happening. We've got all this really cool stuff we're going to do in the future. We're looking at Prager University. We're looking at all these different things. Um, it was it was incredible what was going on, and just just eternally optimistic. I had plans. I had I was almost going to be on Prager University. Karen Hoffman was going to get us connected there. There was just um, unbelievable things in the works, and then it all got taken away. And, is, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing a woe is me thing. Um, well, I hope it doesn't sound like that. But what I'm really talking about is a wasted opportunity. You know, the folks that, uh, that bought the station and they, they shall remain nameless. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Voldemort and uh, Harry Potter. So those who shall not be named, <laughs> you know, everybody knows who they are, but those who shall not be named. It was such a waste. If we'd work together, if we'd merge the stations, because it's a bigger station than bought out WBY. If they'd merged, I said, look, here's a plan. Try it. Let's see what's happening. It's working. And they just didn't want anything to do with it. They didn't like new ideas. They, and this is a problem with radio. In fact, I had uh, one of my friends, uh, Fred Jacobs, who's a media consultant. He's the one that created the, um, the, the, the classic rock format. Guy's a genius, right? And he's watching what we're doing. In fact, a lot of people are watching what we're doing. Talkers Magazine is watching. A lot of folks are watching. They're not helping. They're just watching. <laughs> right? Anyway, um, so Opianki's got a couple of really cool notices here. He says, I know experiences such as firing. Yeah, we all, yeah a lot of us do. Uh, then it says no exp- <laughs> no experiences that is. Then it says I I know no experience such as firing. Okay, Pianki's never been fired. I've been fired a few times, um, quite a few times actually. Uh, it's just I'm independent. You know, I always wanted to have my own business. I just had no idea what business to do, and I, and I never wanted to go into my own business until you know I I, I knew it was going to work and I knew it was going to be successful. See, Action Radio I knew was going to work, and I already had uh, experience. I had a year and four months at WBY trying it out. We, we created the website. We formulated our plans. I mean, a lot of this stuff was, it was you know, improvised not that long ago. Um, and so, you know, I originally started, had the idea in 2014 um, to have the world's greatest radio show. And then we, I think around 2015, I thought of a citizen legislature. I started writing articles about it. Uh, 2016, the, the plans got better, and I started taking uh, broadcast courses at my local community college. Oh, let's play the, let's play the air check. <laughs> this is always fun. Um, my K, uh, uh, KOHL. Uh, air check to let you know what I sounded like as a college DJ. So this is 2016. Uh, I'm in school with a bunch of 18-year-olds. I'm 56. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. Where's, where's my air check? I, I forget what I put these things under. Uh, oh, here we go. Greg's KOHL air check. So this is what I sounded like back in 2016. And she'll always get the best of me. The worst is yet to come. But It's 3 o'clock with Craig. In the next half hour, we have The Vamps, Dawin, and Daya. And now here's 21 Pilots on 89.3 KOHL. I wish I found some better sounds no one's ever heard. I wish I had a better voice to sing some better words. I wish I found some chords in an order. See, I had no idea who any of these people were. <laughs> I had no, I didn't listen to them, right? You know, I'm classic rock. I went to high school in the 70s, all right? So, uh, you know, unfortunately, disco hit. Uh, I think Saturday Night Fever came out my first week of college. I'm like, what is this? Anyway, so I was forced to dance to that stuff, although it was kind of fun. Uh, but, that, but then in 2016, 
I'm going to say I went to a local community college, took some broadcast courses, uh, and one of the things we did was air checks. I'm, I'm going to play my final exam, too, because I had to create these commercials. And the commercials, the, the things I learned on how to create commercials for my final project, the KOHL, gives, you know, is, is in everything that I do here in terms of the, the themes, the advertising, uh, the promotional stuff, everything I do here, I learned at Ohlone College in Fremont, California, uh, using uh, the, the Adobe Edition program. So Ohlone College. Uh, Fremont, California, and my software, uh, everybody can get is Adobe Audition. Now, there's a free one, uh, Audacity, but I have no idea how to work that. Uh, the Audition one, um, you got to pay for it, but it's worth it. Anyway, it's worth it to me, certainly, because uh, I know how to use it. So, all that stuff, so anyway, so that's what happened. Then I get this uh, job in 2017 um, at um, WBY in Milton, Florida, and I'm still in, in San Francisco Bay Area. I'm living in San Leandro, which is south of Oakland. And, and then I had heart surgery in October 2016, and then I got the offer for the job uh, in February 2017, so four months later. <laughs> four months later. I'm, I'm still recovering, right? I'm, I'm like 100 pounds overweight, and I get this call you know, from uh, Mike. And he says, yeah, you want the job? I've got a morning show opening up. Uh, oh, uh, Marco says he's used Audacity. Yeah, if you can send me a, some easy stuff on how to use it, I wouldn't mind a free program. Uh, but the, uh, the audition does work. I mean, it does work for me. In fact, I just uh, took the show this morning, my last hour on WBY, edited out all the commercials and news breaks. And so it's actually a pretty good program. Um, and, and, but it, it is, you know, there's a lot more that it can do that I don't know how to do. But for what, for what I use it for, it works out really, really well. So back to that. So four months after open heart surgery, I'm, I'm coming out here um, to Florida. And it's, it's my, you know, it's my dream job. Uh, and it was fabulous. It's a little house you know, in the outskirts of Milton. Uh, it, was, it was built as a radio studio. It's got a huge antenna out back. And it had this big room, you know, it had this, this massive um, oak table, you know, shiny, varnished. It's got three microphones around it. And the producer's in the booth next door. And I've got a picture of this on my Facebook page. I'll, maybe I'll drag it out again. So this is my dream job, right? So I'm at the mic. I'm having fun. You know, and I had, because it was a regular station, and uh, Mike Bates, the boss, was extremely well thought of. Uh, in the radio industry, we are, he, he talked to everybody, you know, Don Jr., you know, of the Trumps. Uh, he had amazing guests on, and he was able to help get me amazing guests as well. Uh, the next thing I did was go to CPAC, and going to CPAC in 2018 um, allowed me to uh, get folks like Grover Norquist, Gordon Chang, um, some of these other, you know, amazing folks on the show. And, of course, um, we had Matt Gates on every week, you know, and I was able to get, uh, after the, the, uh, the Peter Strzok uh, hearings, uh, Ron DeSantis. And so <laughs> it's ironic that Ron, I'm going to play that for you in the, in, the, in the next hour, but Ron DeSantis was my last guest, you know, and I got fired three minutes later. <laughs> maybe that's an omen. Maybe, maybe that's why I support Trump. Nah, it's, it's got nothing to do with it. But the, the, the key thing was, and the cool thing was, I was able to get these amazing people on the show. Anyway, so I got my last hour and you'll see how optimistic and, and how full of promise it all was. And again, the frustrating thing for me was we were doing so well. To me, it's needless. It was needless to do that instead of at least trying to work together, trying to come up with a plan, have them at least try to understand what Action Radio was about and the potential and the amazing things that, uh, that we had planned. Uh, and I had, uh, I had incredible callers. Uh, we had a regular following. They were telling other people across the country. We were building nationally. We had internet. We had a ton of internet listeners. You know, everything was going great. And they just cut it out. And, and then I, I, I disappeared. And they didn't say anything. Nobody knew where I was. I guess they thought I left. Uh, and then eventually some, some folks still don't know where we are, right? Uh, and I still get people coming up in, in uh, you know, local stores and things. It's like, are you Greg? You sound like Greg. <laughs> we don't know what you look like, but you sound like Greg. He said, yeah, that's me. 
<laughs> it's really kind of funny. All right, so let's fast forward. Uh, I'll play that, like I said, I'll play that in the next hour. So let's, let's talk about the good stuff. And the good stuff is what's happened in the last few days. So yesterday, something really incredible happened. Uh, and, and this is what makes Action Radio so special. So one of the folks working with us is Bianca Von Krieg, who is a trans socialist, progressive political activist, candidate um, for, I think, uh, Nancy Pelosi's seat. Uh, it's just an incredible person and would be not somebody you expect to find on basically the, the anti-federalist show, because that's, that's what I am. To me, you're kind of moderates, okay? So way on the far right of that, over by the Founding Fathers, you know, the Patriots, the America First folks, um, is, you know, the anti-federalist. Because if you remember, the Federalist Papers were the ones that supported the Constitution, Alexander Hamilton and the other big government stooges of our founders. And then there were the anti-federalists, like A. Farmer uh, and some of the other people that were anonymous. They, they had to be anonymous even from their own founders, which is kind of interesting. So the anti-federalists were against the Constitution in its present form. They wanted to take the Articles of Confederation and, and modify them with certain things like maybe the Commerce Clause uh, and some other things to, uh, uh, to make that a, a better, um, a better you know, founding document as opposed to the Articles as they stood. Now, what's interesting is if you read the Articles of Confederation, it can t- half of the Bill of Rights are in the Articles of Confederation. Interestingly, the Alexander Hamilton Federalist Stooges who wrote the Constitution did not include some of the, some of the things that ended up in the Bill of Rights 10 years later. So we actually had to go back to the Articles of Confederation you know, to, and then to advance beyond that to go back to what they had already. So in other words, they gave up rights in the, from what became the Bill of Rights in the Articles of Confederation when they were the Constitution. And that's a major disagreement I have right there. So that's something interesting for folks to take a look at. Another thing that's really interesting to take a look at is the Confederate Constitution. So I'll probably go over that someday, too. I've been over it. Now, obviously, the, the flaw in it is slavery, and that's a huge flaw. But if you look at it in terms of taxation uh, and representation and, and independence of the states and, and state sovereignty and a bunch of other things, they were right on. I mean, they're absolutely right on. And so that's worth looking at, too. See, I, there's no such thing as 100% good or 100% bad. Well, maybe there is. Hamas, <laughs> you know, um, Hitler, you know, Mao, Stalin. You know, Pol Pot, you know, Castro. Yeah, so there is absolute evil. But for the most part, things are not that cut and dry. History is not that cut and dry. You know, for, for everybody that, uh, you know, reveres the documents as I do, there's somebody that said, well, Jefferson, you know, slept with slaves. <laughs> okay, fine. All right. You know, Martin Luther King, uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner, you know, architect of the Civil Rights Act. Well, you know, he had affairs. Okay, so <laughs> your point is what? Nobody's perfect. Anyway, so history gets complex. All right, so I'm kind of rambling here. So let me talk about yesterday. So Bianca Von Krieg, our progressive socialist, you know, caucus member, um, brought on Steve Stern. Now, I was not familiar with Steve Stern. We just haven't crossed paths. Steve Stern apparently knows Donald Trump, Steve Bannon, Charlie Kirk, and all the folks that I've been trying to get in touch with. And so Bianca knows this. And, and what's interesting about, you know, Bianca and me is that we both love our country. You know, we both want uh, the best for the people. Uh, but we have completely different ways of, of accomplishing that. And that's what makes it interesting. But we do get rare insight into the Democrat Party, into the progressives. And where the progressives and the uh, anti-federalists, uh, I will say, uh, agree, it's really interesting. Like we're both against the uh, Ukraine war. Uh, we both hate what Hamas did. Uh, we both, uh, let me see some other things that, uh, yeah, it's just there's a lot of, pol- we both hate the deep state. We realize that it's not Democrat and Republican anymore. It's, it's, uh, Ameri- it's, uh, it's it, people that represent their constituents or represent the deep state. That's really what's going on in Congress. So Steve Stern. Steve Stern has a company called The Flag 
uh, company. Was it the flagship? Let me put it, it's in my notes somewhere. Hang on. Let me, let me go back and check this out here. I'm going to make sure I get it right. See, oh, it's from yesterday. It's, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll post it. It's, um, I could go back to yesterday's show, but I think it's the flagshirtcompany.com or the flagshirt.com. You can look it up. Anyway, uh, look up Steve Stern, flagship company, flagshirt, excuse me, flagshirt. He makes these patriotic shirts. So he, he's probably made a fortune. He's been a businessman for years. He's 82 years old, right? And so Donald Trump sent him a personal birthday card, which he read on the air, which is kind of interesting. So Steve's going to help us. Steve's going to, I absolutely believe Steve's going to get us connected with Steve Bannon, with Charlie Kirk, with Liz Harrington from the Trump campaign, with all these other folks, plus all the other groups he mentioned yesterday. So that's the good news. So we are back where we were at WBY in 2018. <laughs> so, so, so it took five years. <laughs> it was a five-year setback, but we're now making the same kind of contacts we were making back then. And so, uh, it, you know, I'd love to get on, on PragerU. I'd love to do a constitutional uh, budget. You know, put that into five minutes is going to be tough because I, I made a half-hour video. So I really compressed that down. Um, but those are the kind of things that we're starting to do. So Steve Stern was on yesterday. The day before, Tuesday, was another monumental show. Now, now Tuesday, everything went wrong, right? Tuesday, we had uh, – it was almost like our Friday the 13th show, you know, which will be tomorrow, which I think will be fine. It should be. Everything else has been going fine lately. There we go. Knock on – poly plywood, whatever that stuff is my desk is. So we had, uh, we finally got Naomi Wolf because I have friends in, in uh, DC that uh, help us get these big national guests. And so Naomi Wolf was on. Now the problem is they only schedule these folks for half an hour. Jason Shepard's coming on today. He'll be on in the third. But they only give us half an hour with these people, which is crazy because my standard interview is an hour. I can't, I can't talk to somebody in half an hour and get, you know, the meaning out that I want to, uh, especially someone like Steve Stern who spent his first half hour telling stories. And those are the same stories he, told, he tells on pretty much every show. And there's nothing wrong with that. Those are good stories, and it's a great way to get to know him. But that's not what I want to talk about. <laughs> I want to get beyond those. And so it's interesting when you talk to, especially national guests, they have like a canned speech for 10 minutes or 15, or maybe even half an hour. They have the regular information they give every time. And then, but that by like an hour because they run out of their, their canned speech, and then we start really talking. And that's when he got interesting. That's when Steve Stern got interesting. So anyway, back to Tuesday. So Naomi Wolf is on the show. Uh, oh, here we go. So, so let me got a, I got a hint from uh, Marco. It says, Audacity. Go to YouTube, type in how to use Audacity, look for some tutorials with stuff that you want to do on Audacity. Uh, watch that. Uh, yeah, Mar- Marco's absolutely right. I mean, YouTube. I'll, let me check it out. Uh, I'll put up my list of things to do. I should get it to it about uh, February of next year. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just being sarcastic. But uh, So YouTube for Audacity. Because it is free, and that would help out. And free stuff always does. All right. I mean, I, I, I tried learning it. I mean, I, 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 try, I think I, I know I tried instructional things and whatever else, but I'll, I'll look at YouTube. It's not a bad idea. In the meantime, I'm keeping, a, you know, Adobe Audition, um, and it's working. All right. So back to the story. So Naomi Wolf. Naomi Wolf was on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Everything went wrong. The, the, uh, the site was down until 835, and I start my show at 7. Uh, when I finally did get connected, Josie was on the line, but the echo was so horrendous, I not only had to disconnect my microphone, I had to disconnect from the entire show. I had to call in. And so all this is happening. So I'm all getting flustered. So then Naomi Wolf comes on like 20 minutes later. <laughs> you know, world-renowned uh, educator, uh, writer, investigator, former New York Times. Well, she was New York Times writer. Uh, she's a best-selling author, really important guest, really interesting person. Uh, and so she comes on. And I, I had a little, you know, not really a joke in mind, but I wanted to do something. It, it was kind of a thought I had that, uh, you know, because she's so good at what she's doing in investigating COVID and the government response and all the things she's doing that gets her banned on, you know, liberal stuff. I thought it'd be really interesting if she could work with Judy Mikovits or had she worked. So I, so I contacted Judy, who's a friend of mine, 
Dr. Judy Mikevitz. And I contacted her the day before. I said, do you, do you know Naomi Wolf? She says, well, yeah, but I've, we've never talked. I'm like, okay. Why don't you call the show tomorrow? Let's see what happens. <laughs> so she's just like, okay. <laughs> so Judy calls in. And about 10 minutes into the show, and Naomi's like, so I asked him, Naomi, I said, well, are you, because we're talking about COVID stuff. I said, well, you're familiar with the work of Judy Mikevitz, right? She's, oh, yeah, yeah, she's, she's amazing. I said, well, she's on the line. So said, Judy say hi to, uh, you know, Naomi. And she's like, hi, Naomi. And Naomi's like, hello, Dr. Mikevitz. <laughs> you know, and, and, and Judy's like, now call me Judy, because we're really familiar around here. Anyway, so that happened. So those two got to talk. And I also brought in a friend of mine, uh, Laura Bartlett, from Our Patient uh, rights.com. She's the one that has the contracts that you can uh, sign and get to your hospital beforehand so they don't go give you things that you don't want. And if they do, there's a massive lawsuit sitting on them. Um, and this, this goes beyond malpractice. This goes beyond uh, insurance and, and uh, removal of liability you know, some, from emergencies. It goes beyond that. So it's really interesting. So I had all three of these people on. Well, then uh, Naomi had to leave. And then uh, so Judy sticks around. And then Judy had to leave. And then Laura stuck around. <laughs> It's a fascinating show. But uh, Naomi Wolf has a bill writing site, and I wasn't aware of this. And she said, you know, we can get your bills passed. You get us the bills, we'll get them passed. So part of the reason I'm not as prepared today as I normally am is because I've been writing Naomi Wolf and Steve Stern. So Naomi, and they both got the the bills. They both got uh, about uh, 10 bills, our most important bills. You know, things like uh, no uh, income withholding while you're earning your your standard deduction amount. Uh, Vatican product liability, big tech censorship. Um, our defense equity bill, so people don't get, people aren't victims of a government investigation, you know, before uh, before they're convicted and found guilty. So all these things are going on, right? And so it's been an incredibly uh, uh, crazy time for me. So I've absolutely loved it. All right, so back to Friday the 13th. So again, the interview, you know, in the third hour, I'll uh, I have with Jason Shepard. The second hour, I'll play our interview. But uh, in the meantime, I want to get to some of the more disgusting things that are going on. Uh, in the world today, and this is probably a good time to take a break. Oh, oh let's, let me see. Is there anything else I want to talk about in my basic intro? Oh, yeah, the Powerball. So I bought a Powerball ticket for the $1.74 billion lottery. haven't looked at it yet. I'll look at it after the show. If I'm going to get depressed, I'm not going to do it during the show. I'm going to be hopelessly optimistic and think that there's a possibility I've won a billion dollars, in which case I'm not going to need funding from anybody. I'll have a, I'll have a marketing budget. <laughs> I'll have all the budget that I want. I'll never have to work again. Of course, I'm going to work every day, you know, even harder uh, because I won't worry about uh, money or anything. But I don't have to do any fundraising or advertising. I don't have to do any of that stuff. It would be great. All right. Anyway, so that's my Powerball story. Let's see what else I had for me. Uh, uh, do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, here's another comment I wrote down. This is kind of – well, actually, no, there's a couple of things I want to go over before I do take a break. Um, I was thinking – I wrote this down right before the show. I put, label the assassination of Americans in Israel by Hamas as a mass public shooting by white supremacists. So they can take some action and do something. Yeah. See, if we label this correctly, see, 22 Americans have been killed. Well, that's a mass public shooting. You know, if that happened in the United States, you know, by anybody they could uh, convince people was white, whether they were, you know, black or Asian or, uh, you know, Native American or whatever. Um, but as long as they can say that it's a, it's a white guy that did it and call him a white supremacist, then they do something. Then they call for gun control. They call for all these other things. But in this case, we had 22 Americans killed. So you had 13 killed in Afghanistan when Biden uh, surrendered, you know, per Obama's order to surrender and leave the weapons behind for his Muslim brothers. Um, then you had, you had that problem. And now you have, uh, but they go after anybody in this country with guns. Now, the irony of this, and I'll get to this uh, speech by uh, uh, Andy Blinken with Benjamin Netanyahu, that was fascinating, not for what was said, but for what wasn't said. And the looks on Netanyahu's face, you actually have to watch this speech to get the, uh, shall I say, nuances of what really happened. All right. So we've got this, um, 
we, we got this thing in this country where the left will go after anybody they can condemn as a white supremacist uh, if they if they kill someone, even if they're a leftist on you know antidepressants, uh, people that hate America and they just wanted to kill whoever Jews doesn't matter uh, as long as they can label them a white supremacist and use them for furthering their uh, uh, gun bans and confiscations, then they're happy. So I think we should label this a uh, you know attack by Hamas white supremacists. You know, on uh, on a on a minority. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's that's that's sort of like maybe it's too soon for that kind of ironic humor, but it's almost that bad. I am that cynical that if we name this correctly, now that, that well, it's interesting. Uh, One American News had a thing last night where they said Hamas terrorists, and then the news corrected themselves, being being liberal woke idiots. So they said Hamas gunmen to make it look like a crime instead of an act of terror. Of course, terrorist acts are acts of crimes, but acts of terror are much more, in most cases, more severe than like shoplifting. Unless you have like 50 looters. But anyway, still not as severe. Um, but uh, then they had to go back and label a terrorist because everybody went after him. It's like Obama never used the word terrorist in referring to anybody Muslim. He just didn't. You know, ISIS was, was a, a group, not a terrorist group. You know, however he described if there was a terrorist act, it was, a, uh, you know, an action. Or Ilhan Omar's famous line about 9-11, some people did something. <laughs> you know, I mean, so these people, they can't even say the words. All right. So let's let's talk about that. So so the, so if we if we correctly call this you know well not correctly but if we label this as Hamas being a white supremacist group then maybe we can get some action from uh, from the you know, occupation illegal government in the White House um, to actually do something about the 22 Americans that have been killed. Normally you would think that American lives were were sacred um, and should be preserved and and rescued to the point where nobody would touch Americans you know around the world. That's what it used to be not that way anymore. Same thing used to be said of Rome. All right. So I wrote a couple of things down here um, regarding uh, this, uh, this interesting little press brief. And so one American news cut away from their, their regular report. Uh, and there was this, you had, you had the, the blue background. I think it was uh, maybe the Israeli, I think it was the Israeli star of David. And you had uh, Netanyahu on the right and Lincoln on the left, which is appropriate, <laughs> actually. Uh, and so Benjamin Netanyahu gives a very impassioned speech thanking America for the support. Now, you look at his face, and there's something very cynical. He's saying the words, but you know what he's thinking. He's thinking, you know, damn these people for giving $6 billion to our enemies, giving them nuclear weapons. We may have to nuke this country one day. That's, if you look at his face, that's what he looks like he's thinking. Now, I could be projecting. I don't know. But he is not happy with Anthony Blinken. He's scowling, and he's just, I mean, he's saying the words, we, we're eternally grateful for the support of the United States. But then he looks at him contemptuously and says, you idiot, you know, because Blinken called for a ceasefire. We have to get together and kumbaya and hug. You know, he says, we have to understand Hamas, you know, why they do these things, right? Idiot. And then we find out he's Jewish, too. He said that so that was Blinken's term. Blinken says, well, I'm Jewish. You know, my, uh, you know, my uncle was uh, in World War II and, uh, you know, victims of the Holocaust. And then he, then he made a really strange reference. This, I think, is a lie. He said that one of his, his relatives, his grandfather, was in Auschwitz, uh, Dachau, and I think Treblinka. Now, I don't know much. I mean, I'm not an expert on the Holocaust, but I don't know of a whole lot of people that made it out of the first camp. Not only to go to a second camp, but a third one. Because Treblinka and Auschwitz were death camps. Dachau was a death camp too, but they didn't have... Uh, the gas, they had gas chambers, I know, because I stood in one, you know, when I went to visit Dachau, the memorial outside of, of Munich, they still have the gas chambers there, and they still have the crematoriums, and I, and I stood outside, the, and I looked at the crematoriums, and just, you know, I'm, I'm by myself, so I'm totally horrified here, getting, getting rather freaked out, and I stood in a gas chamber by myself, 
you know, a real World War II Nazi gas chamber because they're preserved at Dachau. And I'm just, you know, you just like hear the screams in your head. It's a, it's a very, uh, it's a life-altering experience is what it is. Anyway, so, but I, from what I know, most people either died in those camps, the one they were sent to, or the fortunate ones were liberated by the Americans or the French or the British or whoever, you know, came by the camp. Probably not the French, but it'd be the British or, or, or the Americans. Now, the Russians, <laughs> that's a, the Russians are a different story. Now, the, I'm not sure what the, well, the Russians were kind of interesting. I think they killed all the Germans. Uh, and, and they liberated, I'm not sure what happened to people who were liberated, because Auschwitz, I think, was, was liberated by the Russians. I could be wrong on that. Russians came in from the East, uh, and Auschwitz is in Poland. Anyway, but as far as I know, you don't go to a bunch of different prison camps, so he may be lying on that. So, Marco, I don't know if you want to, uh, uh, that's something you might want to research if you have a minute um, to find out if people were transferred to multiple camps. It's possible. I mean, I don't know, but it sounds like a lie to me. It sounds like something he would say to win favor with Netanyahu and the world, when secretly he is just as contemptuous of, of Benjamin Netanyahu as Netanyahu is of him, because Anthony Blinken is a liberal. He's a leftist. He goes and sucks up to China. You know, he doesn't care that China had spy balloons flying over us. He doesn't care that all our technology is transferred to China. He doesn't care about a lot of things. He doesn't, and he never mentioned when he could have said, we are, we are excuse me, freezing the $6 billion in assets that have been freed up for Iran, and we're going to give them to you instead. Wouldn't that have been a great thing to say? Did he say that? No, he didn't. Okay, he, it was a perfect opportunity. Why? Because he's under orders not to. So as much as the United States government, you know, in occupation under Brandon Obama, you know, is, is uh, sending some aid to Israel and they're sending a carrier group. I don't know why. I don't know what a carrier group is going to do, you know, on a ground war, but we'll see. This should be interesting. Uh, and apparently we're sending some of our special forces over. But since we've uh, decommissioned so much, I'm not sure how much that's going to do. And where's the FBI elite hostage rescue team? You guys remember them from Waco? You know, the ones that killed all the people in Waco? The FBI elite hostage rescue team. How come they're not over there? All right. Uh, okay, so let me see what we've got here. So, so Pianchi says, there were several camps in which a black tank battalion uh, liberated them. Yeah, if you want to list those camps, Pianchi, feel free. Uh, that's something that, uh, that we should note here uh, for the record. That's important to know. I'd also be curious who liberated Auschwitz. Was it the Russians or Americans uh, or the British? Just out of curiosity, um, because I think when the Russians liberated, they would have just killed all the Gestapo and all the, uh, uh, the death camp guards. I'm sure they would have. And, that's, that's, uh, and, you know, Russia lost 20 million people. I, I completely understand it. So, you know, is it a war crime to commit a war crime, you know, upon a person who committed a war crime on you? It's an interesting question. It's a moral dilemma. All right. So getting back to my topic here. So then, so he talks about his, his uh, Jewish Holocaust past, uh, which he, I'm, I'm sure he has, but I think there's something, um, Auschwitz is in Poland. Yeah, that's what I, th- I know Auschwitz is in Poland. So liberated by Russia, that's what I think too. I mean, we, we can look it up. That wasn't planning to talk about that, so I don't have that prepared, but uh, that would be interesting since Anthony Blinken. Now, did he mention his Jewish Holocaust past to win sympathy? Is that his credential? Is that like a street cred? You know, it's like if you want to join a gang and you kill somebody, that's your street cred, right? So, so is Anthony Blinken's street cred, you know, speaking to Benjamin Netanyahu, that he has a Holocaust pass and he's Jewish? Here, Marco says, uh, 27th of January, 1945, Auschwitz concentration camp, Nazi concentration camp, and extermination camp in occupied Poland. Yeah, so we were agreed on that, uh, where more than a million people were murdered as part of the Nazis, quote, final solution to the Jewish question, was liberated by the Soviet Red Army during the Vistula Oder Offensive. 
So we're talking January 1945. Okay, so Hitler was killed in May. So this is actually January, February, March, April, May. Six months. Five months. <laughs> Math is not my strong point. So this is five months before the end of World War II in Europe. So Auschwitz is liberated. And I wonder where, where the people uh, went. Because now here's, what, here's, here's the ultimate irony, right? So Holocaust survivors from Auschwitz in Poland probably went back to Poland and, and most of Eastern Europe, right? Which the Soviet Union then occupied like three or four years later. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm not laughing. I'm, I'm laughing at the irony of being rescued by the Soviet army only to be taken over by Russia and, go, you know, going from a Nazi-occupied country to a, a Soviet communist-occupied country. You wonder why people in Eastern Europe are upset? That's why. Um, because a lot of people live their whole lives under or, or were killed under either Nazi or, or Soviet occupation. It's kind of interesting, interesting history of Eastern Europe. Okay, so back to Anthony Blinken. So Anthony Blinken, the wuss, uh, the wimp of China. Um, the uh, basically it was Biden's aide. That's how he got the job. He, he has no qualifications. He has no diplomatic credits that I know of. He just happened to be Biden's aide, and we had all the Democrats. He's like one of the few white guys um, that uh, that actually are in the the, the uh, Brandon insurrection. And it's one of the few white guys. He's the only white guy I know that isn't. Uh, well, actually, there's a couple of states. There's another guy um, that's a total dork. Uh, I forgot what his name is. Anyway, so the only white guys I know in the Obama uh, Biden uh, you know insurrection. Um, is Anthony Blinken and this other guy, and they're in the State Department. All right, so then we, so then he says, uh, um, then he says something really strange. He says, "This is a beautiful moment." Anthony Blinken said, "This is a beautiful moment." Really? What? How? <laughs> this is a horrible moment, I guess, because of U.S. you know Israeli cooperation. Uh, Netanyahu really, you've got to see his face when he says it's a beautiful moment. He's like, "You idiot! There's nothing beautiful about this. This is a horrible moment." And then, and then it gets, uh, then it gets more interesting. He said, then Blinken says, "How are we to understand this?" And again, the the, the laser vision from Netanyahu. No, you stupid fool! We don't understand this. We stop it. We end it. You know, and that's what he's saying. But uh, Blinken, being the kumbaya leftist that he is, how do we understand this? We have to understand why Hamas felt the need to head, you know, babies. You know, you don't understand that. You kill them for it. This is, this is a simple thing, you know, and I, I'm unequivocal. I've, I've, I've talked about this for years, the one-state solution. The solution to Middle East peace is a one-state solution. Israel takes back and according to its country, Gaza, Golan, and the West Bank. They've been part of Israel anyway. I know Pianchi disagrees with me on that, and that's okay. But that would bring peace to, the, to, uh, to that area. And then you go back to the Abraham Accords, and then Israel starts making uh, um, peace uh, treaties with Saudi Arabia, uh, Bahrain, United Arab, Arab Emirates, Qatar, Kuwait, um, Morocco, Algeria, Egypt. Have I missed anybody? Libya. <laughs> you know, uh, United Arab, did I say United Arab Emirates? Anyway, all those folks in the Middle East, right? So they've got the chat. And you leave out Iran. Isolate Iran, because that's what you need to do, because Iran's a dangerous one. They're Persian. They're not Arab. Big difference. We should, uh, we should talk about that one day, the differences, because Persia wants their empire back. Russia wants their empire back. Everybody wants their empire back. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Right? The world's complex now. Anyway, um, now here's the last thing I want to comment on this. And I've sort of gone against my subject matter, but I think this is more interesting and certainly more current. The last thing that Blinken said that, that uh, made sense before, he, he, they ended it rather abruptly. 
you know, and I was really hoping Benjamin Netanyahu would say, so what about the $6 billion for Iran? Do you think he can send it our way? <laughs> he would use diplomatic language, of course. Uh, we'd like to uh, request that the, the, uh, the $6 billion destined for Iran be refrozen uh, and directed to support Israel. That would tremendously aid us in our cause to remove the, the terrorists, the murderers, you know, the, uh, the thugs, the, uh, uh, the, the soldiers of Hamas and Hamas itself from the Gaza. That's what he should have said. He should have said, you should redirect that $6 billion to us. I wish he had said that. I wish Blinken had said, oh, we're going to give you the $6 billion. But he's under orders not to say that. Betcha, betcha, betcha. All right. So what do we got here? Pianchi says, Black American Tank Battalion was the 761st. And the 784th, uh, the death camp prisoners uh, had never seen a black person. So that actually makes a lot of sense. Now, what's interesting, that uh, France uh, was a place that a lot of uh, uh, black Americans went to because the treatment in France was better. France didn't care. Right? Uh, Paul Robeson, I think, went to France. Uh, if, you, if you see the film Flyboys, you know, one of the pilots, and this is based on a true story, who ended up flying for the mail service because they didn't see him, right, because he's a black pilot, right? This is back, uh, flew for uh, the Lafayette Escadrille, which was the American volunteers, like the Flying Tigers in World War II. Uh, he was black, but he couldn't. But when America ended the war, and, he, and they all enlisted in the American Air Force, he couldn't fly because he was black, right? So he's already an ace, right? He's already killed a whole bunch of Germans, you know, flying these Newports and Spads. You know, and then, uh, but he wouldn't couldn't fight with Americans because he was black. So, so here's a, this is how stupid you know segregation and racism is, right? Here's a guy that's already an ace. He's already got more combat experience, and he's good at it than any of the American pilots who are just showing up, right? And so, and, but they wouldn't let him fly because he's black. This is like irrational to me. This is insane. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah, I would think in, in Eastern Europe, well, World War II was basically a white war. It really was white people. So just the war against Japan was, uh, you know, Asian versus white. So you had America versus Japan, basically. Um, but uh, the European war was all white people. And so uh, it's really interesting. And most of it was, was amongst leftists. You know, the communists were fighting the Nazis. The biggest part of World War II was Russia and Germany. So you had leftist communists fighting leftist Nazis. People forget that. That's, that's one of the most important things about that is the left not only is violent uh, against everybody else, they're, they're violent against themselves. Horribly violent. More people died in, on the Eastern Front than on the Western Front by far. Froze to death, no supplies, uh, some, some pretty horrible things happened. Uh, that was take no prisoners. You know? So if you want to talk about, uh, look up the Kurtz, Kirks, Kirst, how do you, uh, Kursk, K-U-R-S-K, uh, the world's greatest tank battle between the TU-34 TU, uh, tanks uh, and the, the Nazi, uh, the various Panzer tanks. Unbelievable, huge, massive loss of life. And uh, it was just a war of attrition. You know, the Russians won simply because, not because they were better technologically. They weren't. Although T-34 tank was a pretty good tank. They won because they had so many people in the war. They overwhelmed uh, the Nazi troops. Anyway, back to uh, what I was talking about. So Blinken. So here's the final part about Blinken. This is the part that I find so fascinating. He says, he talks about the grandfather who saved his grandkids with a pistol. Now, you know Every gun group in this country is going to latch onto that line. You're going to see it in the news soon. It won't be long, okay? Because, but he said that, and you know, you know that his leftist handlers are saying, you idiot, you're not supposed to talk about guns doing good things, you know, saving people. You can't say that, right? But he did. It's on the record. I heard it. <laughs> okay, I heard it this morning. So he talks about, uh, yeah, he, really, he really says, as the grandfather, he says, and let's, let's talk about the heroes, the grandfather who saved his grandkids with a pistol. Well, what that means is gun control uh, gets people killed. And this is one of the things I don't understand yet. There's, there's going to be more coming out on this, I'm sure. But I, it, it's amazing how few Israelis were armed. 
Yes, uh, I believe, I think it was Yom Kippur. Yes, it was one of the most sacred Jewish holidays. Uh, but why would you not go armed? I mean, anybody, you know, in a war zone, and Israel's a war zone, right, knows that the enemy usually attacks you on your holidays. You know, when was Pearl Harbor attack? Well, it wasn't a holiday, but it was Sunday morning. What do Americans do Sunday morning? They go to church. You know, they, they, they go to brunch. <laughs> you know, they're with their families. All right. Um, most of the training that goes on in the military bases around here takes place during the week. They have weekends off. Well, that's crazy. They <laughs> should be training at odd hours and weird times and things like that. You know, but uh, people don't think that way. I do. Anyway, so uh, the Tet Offensive. You know, the biggest holiday in Vietnam was when North Vietnamese attacked uh, uh, South Vietnam and us. You know, the, the Christmas Offensive. I've forgotten which war had that, but there was a Christmas Offensive. Although in World War I, it's interesting. The, the German, the British, and the French troops, they all had tea and they had, uh, you know, they all met each other. Hey, how you doing? All right, great. Yeah. Then they went back and killed each other the next day. It's kind of like that cartoon with um, the sheepdog and the coyote. Hey, Fred, how you doing? Oh, fine, Ralph. Okay. And they punch their time clock. And then they go. Then they go try to beat the crap out of each other. Or the coyote tries to steal the sheep, and the sheepdog, you know, beats up the coyote. Then they punch out at the end of the day. Oh, see you tomorrow. Okay, thanks. Nice day. <laughs> you know, I mean, the insanity of work is, is quite interesting. So Blinken, this is going to come back to haunt Blinken. This is going to be a Trump campaign uh, slogan. This is going to be something really big that Blinken said. There was a grandfather who saved his grandkids with, and he didn't say it, but it is, a privately owned gun. That's going to be fascinating. Okay, what time is it now? Uh, 7.41? So much for my 20-minute rant. <laughs> All right, so let's take a little break here. Um, I'll be right back. So let's get our communication stuff up, and away we go. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. 
Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Dangerously cool. I guess so many buttons I can play with. It's really kind of fun. All right. Um, serious note here. Uh, there's a problem. Uh, and we knew this was going to be a problem. We all saw this coming, that uh, when uh, Obama ordered Brandon to surrender in Afghanistan and get the troops out first, that people were going to die, which they did, and that our weapons uh, were going to go into all the wrong hands. Uh, so, so Brandon was ordered to surrender, sure, because he never does anything on his own. He's, he's beyond... Uh, uh, any comprehension of what's even happening. Uh, you know, the, if, if I were debating him, the first question I ask is, is what year is this? And just see what he says. Oh, it's 1986. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Yeah, that would be a fascinating question because it would throw him off because the, you know, the handlers wouldn't be expecting that one. So the first question I would ask Brandon, what year is this? And, and just see what he says and watch him think about it for a minute because, well, I don't know what year this is. I'm president, so therefore it must be, I don't know. You know, but it, he would stumble over it because he wouldn't know. All right? Or ask him something like, uh, yeah, just something that that only he would know that I bet he forgets. You know, like what's the horsepower Corvette? 
<laughs> you know, just uh, uh, the 435 or, you know, I mean, whatever, whatever it is. But that would be something interesting. I, just, I would ask him questions to throw him off just for the fun of it uh, to demonstrate that he really does not know what's going on. But I think the, the what year is it would be uh, would be the perfect question for him. So eighty five billion dollars worth of our best weapons were purposely surrendered to the Taliban uh, when Brandon surrendered to the Taliban by leaving without leaving properly, without leaving by getting the people and the military stuff out. And then lastly, the military themselves. He didn't do that. He did exactly the opposite of what you're supposed to do. This is how I know this is an Obama operation, because only Obama hates this country enough to do that. Now, $85 billion is about one-tenth of the entire military budget for a year. It was around $850 some odd dollars, $850 billion. So $85 billion, so, so one-tenth of our entire military budget, this includes the carriers, you know, all the payroll, all the bases around the world, everything. The entire military budget is about $850 some odd billion dollars. So about a tenth of that budget for the year was left. That's how big this loss was. That's how big $85 billion is. And what's ironic is that we spent $7 trillion. We didn't. They did. Um, wasted on COVID because you didn't need to spend anything on COVID because, you know, hydroxychloroquine is 20 cents a pill. You can, you, you could, I mean, the, the cure for COVID was, was about 20 bucks, <laughs> you know, for, for 99.999% of the people. Others needed more serious interventions, and that makes sense. But the last thing people needed, what they didn't need, was remdesivir and ventilators, because that's what killed people in the hospitals. The hospitals were where people died. It's ironic, isn't it? But that was, that was the, uh, the idea, because they, the hospitals made more money killing people than they did saving them. See, when I went to the hospital for heart surgery, they made more money saving people, you know, which is a good thing. <laughs> you know, so malpractice and things like that, you know, they would lose money. Saving people, they made money. Okay. Well, COVID reversed that. Where killing people made money and saving people cost them money. So if you, especially if you saved them for low cost. So they lost money saving people and they made money killing people. Is that the kind of hospital system you want? Anyway, I digress. So back to this article. Uh, this is American Military News. And the headline is U.S. military weapons from Afghanistan may have been used uh, to kill Americans in Israel. What do you mean may? What do you mean may have been used? They're being charitable. So this is written, let me get you, uh, author, October 9th, 2023. So this is two days ago, Elizabeth Lawrence. What's today, the 11th? No, today's the 12th. Three days ago, today's the 12th. She says at least nine Americans were killed in the Hamas terrorist attacks in Israel over the weekend. Okay, now we know it's like 22. The U.S. State Department, oh, that's Anthony Blinken, confirmed on Monday. Why, why is the State Department? Oh, I guess they would do that. Yeah. It says, well, where, oh, you know what's interesting? The American embassy was moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. What if the American embassy is attacked? I mean, that's sovereign American territory. What's Obama going to do then? Really interesting stuff. Say, say we shouldn't have moved it to uh, Jerusalem? I don't know. I'm just, you know, just, just trying to project ahead. Article says the rising death toll comes amid reports that American weapons left behind in Afghanistan ended up in the Gaza Strip and concerns that those weapons may, may, may have killed, may have been used to kill Americans in Israel. So the ultimate irony is that instead of that they control or try or they, they restrict guns here, right? They restrict our, our rights to our farms, which they cannot do by the Constitution. All right. There are no limits on, uh, on rights. Rights are absolute. But rights are also a prohibition on government. They are not permission to do anything. Your actions are regulated by statutory law. Government is regulated by rights which are absolute. That's the difference. When you understand that, you understand the Constitution. If you don't understand that, you don't understand the Constitution. So let me say it again. Actions of people are regulated by statutory law. Actions of government are regulated by absolute rights in the Constitution. 
and the Constitution itself. Pretty simple, huh? I've been distilling that argument for years. So the irony is that our own, well, our own illegal government surrendered $85 billion, one-tenth of our military budget for the year, to our enemy, supposedly, the Taliban, or what uh, both Obama and, and uh, Brandon called the Taliban. See, this I know. We went over this yesterday. I know that uh, Obama is giving direct orders to uh, Brandon because Brandon is copying his speech patterns, right? So the only person on the, uh, in America that says Taliban is Obama, the Taliban, right? Why? Because he's Muslim and Middle Eastern and, you know, uh, all those kind of things, right? Uh, well, he's Middle Eastern, he's Kenyan. Um, but, uh, but that's why, right? Cause so that's why he would say Taliban. What do Americans say? Taliban, damn it. It's the Taliban. So if Brandon were, were not listening to Obama, he would say the same thing that all the other people around here say. All every other American says, Taliban, right? Listen to the news reports. They all say Taliban. It's the Taliban, right? What, what, is, uh, Obama, what does Brandon call it? The Taliban, just like Obama, okay? It, it's, you know, little things like that give away the store, and that, that's how you know. So the idea that they want to take our guns away uh, that Blinken just congratulated the use of a privately owned firearm to save lives in Israel and that $85 billion worth of our best weapons are being used to kill Israelis and Americans. The irony of that should not be lost on anybody. And the fact that they've still kept the $6 billion. So they can give all the support they want in weapons and the material and things like that to Israel, but they're still sending $6 billion to Israel and all of our enemy, Iran. That's the, money. So that's the part that needs – where the conservative reporter is asking about that. You know, to Jean-Pierre, Rampal, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, whatever her name is, right? So, so Kareem needs to be asked, are you still sending the $6 billion to Iran, or are you going to divert it to Israel? That's a legitimate question. See if any conservative reporter has the balls to ask that question, because that's the question of the hour right now. All right, back to the article. According to a Newsweek report, now Newsweek's really good now. Newsweek used to be liberal. I think they started off fairly conservative or moderate. Then they went really liberal. Now they're one of the pre- preeminent conservatives, like Newsweek and Time. Newsweek is doing some fantastic reporting right now. Why? Because I agree with them. <laughs> All right. This is according to a Newsweek report that flew under the radar earlier this year. Yes, see, they don't talk about that, right? An Israeli commander warned that U.S. weapons abandoned in Afghanistan during resident, <laughs> during illegal occupation, Joe Biden's deadly withdrawal were seen in the hands of Palestinian groups in Gaza. So let me see that. A Newsweek, I'll actually read it the way it says. A Newsweek report that flew under the radar earlier this year, an Israeli commander warned that U.S. weapons abandoned in Afghanistan were seen in the hands of Palestinian groups in Gaza. Well, how the hell do you think they got there? They gave them to them. I wonder if there's such a thing as gun laundering. We got money laundering? Money laundering, right? You give money to Iran, Iran gives money to Hamas. That's money laundering, right? How about gun laundering? We, give, uh, we leave guns in uh, uh, Afghanistan, the Taliban picks them up, and then they give them to Hamas. Gun laundering. <laughs> Same kind of thing, right? Then it says, let's see what else we've got here. Oh, let's do a quick check on something. All right. <sighs> I, have, I always have this feeling that I'm talking forever, and I'm actually muted myself. <laughs> My folks here, Pianchi and, and Marco, would let me know immediately. Then it says, the reports resurfaced them in criticism targeting the Brandon insurrection, my words, decision to release $6 billion in frozen funds to Iran, here we go, which supports Hamas. Administration officials have rejected the condemnation, arguing the funds had not been released yet and were only for humanitarian purposes. Well, that's a bunch of BS. They know exactly where they're going. They're going to the people who are, who are uh, you know, decapitating babies. They're cutting off the heads of babies. 
the $6 billion in assets that, well, they're Iranian assets, but we froze them, right? Just like Jimmy Carter froze all the uh, Iranian assets uh, after they captured our hostages in the American embassy, right? And so the $6 billion, you know, we still, we, we still control it. So the question is, I think, you know, they can't release it to Iran right now. That would be politically incorrect. They'd be condemned for it. Why would you give money to Israel to defend themselves and then give $6 billion to the people that funded uh, the enemies of Israel? That's not supporting Israel. So they can't do it now. So there's time. I think there's time. But what the pressure needs to ramp up is to say, no, divert that money to Israel. They need the $6 billion. That would be great. That would be huge. Let's see what happens. Uh, I think it's going to, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens, but it's going to take some serious lobbying and some real journalists, if there are any left in the White House, press corps asking some real questions. Okay. Article says the $6 billion has not been accessed completely by Iran yet. In other words, they haven't had a chance to spend it. But the fact of the matter is that if you have a credit on your account for $6 billion, typically people count that as, a, as access available today, tomorrow, whenever. So you start reworking your spending budget. So they're planning on spend, they'll spend $6 billion knowing that they're having $6 billion come to them. That's why this is the perfect time to divert it to Israel. Right? This is GOP presidential candidate Senator Tim Scott told Breitbart News, he says, in doing so, uh, you put yourself in a position to use that money, even though you have not had you had access to it yet. Uh, he says, so the six billion dollars that they know they're getting, they're using already. Yeah, exactly. So they're spending another six billion dollars, you know, that was allocated for something else, knowing they're going to get six billion to replace it. That's how it works, right? Then it says, in September, former President Donald, excuse me, President Donald Trump predicted the Brandon insurrections, my words, six billion dollar deal with Iran would lead to terrible things. Yeah, it did. Then it says this absolutely ridiculous $6 billion hostage deal with Iran has set a terrible precedent for the future. He says, buckle up. You're going to see some terrible things start to happen. This is what Trump says, right? Uh, he says, the three years ago, this is, yeah, the three years ago, highly respected USA has become a laughingstock all over the world. Make America great again. Vote Trump. Yeah, they always talk about the, mag, the MAGA people, the MAGABots. That's the new term, right? I think, MAGABot. All right. And so what they're really saying is the, the people that love America are the enemy. Well, if, if the people that love America are the enemy, the people that put America first are the enemy, that means that the people that put America last or want to destroy this country are the ones that they're talking about. All right, let me give you one more article here. Um, this is Western Journal. So a little bit of different take on this. Then what I'm going to do is play you my, my last hour on the BBY. My Friday the 13th show on Friday the 12th because tomorrow I don't have any time. All right. So this is commentary, Western Journal. Uh, this is by Rachel M. Emanuel. Uh, and the date on this is October 8th, so four days ago. U.S. left weapons behind in Afghanistan may have been among deadly tools Hamas used on civilians. Says, she says, in freeing up $6 billion of Iranian money, making it easier for them to divert other funds to terrorist organizations wasn't enough. It appears the Brandon insurrection, my words, disastrous for policy decisions, may be supplementing ammunition to terrorists like Hamas as well. According to Newsweek, I should get that Newsweek article, a high-ranking official in the Israeli Defense Forces, that's the IDF, expressed Israel's concerns to the outlet about weapons from the U.S. and other Western nations provided to Ukraine, here we go, ending up in the hands of Israel's enemies, particularly the Javelin shoulder-fired anti-tank missile system. It would be ironic, would it not, if Israeli tanks were blown up with American Javelin missiles in the hands of Hamas. That would be terrible. Now, a normal country would respond by, by invading uh, the Gaza themselves. We've got a carrier task force there. What do those carriers have? They have Marines. Okay? So send in the Marines. I mean, that's what they're for, right? They would love to go in, kill Hamas, take back our weapons. We need a weapons recovery. We need some gun control. 
of Hamas. We need to take our weapons back, all of them, and kill the people that stole them or, or have them. <laughs> you know, in fact, U.S. should give fair warning. Anybody, you know, any Hamas person you know, carrying a weapon uh, is subject to being shot and killed. You know, we're coming, you know, so all you civilians get out, time to go, all right, time to, 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 you know, go to Egypt, go to Jordan, go somewhere else, but don't stay, don't stay in Gaza, because we're coming in. That's what they should do, but they won't, because they support Hamas, they support the leftists, they hate Israel. That's what's really going on here, and this is the unspoken truth, is that Anthony Blinken, Barack Obama, and uh, Biden, I don't know what Biden thinks, but Obama and Blinken and the other leftists hate Israel. Because Israel represents freedom. They hate anybody that represents freedom. They hate, they hate the United States for the same reason. They hate America First people because we represent freedom. This show represents freedom. Why do you think I'm censored so horribly? I'm going to break through that. I got, I got friends. I got Steve Stern, Naomi Wolf, Judy Mikovits. <laughs> you know, I got friends now. Uh, Jason Shepard is coming on the third hour. I got friends. We're going to break through. We're going to do just fine. Uh, this show is going to have a million listeners by next year. Easily. Easily. Maybe even sooner. Maybe six months from now. But we've got people that know people uh, that lead groups of hundreds of thousands and, and sometimes millions of listeners. Stand by, folks. We're going to make it. All right. <sighs> According to Newsweek, a high-ranking official in the Israeli Defense Force expressed Israel's concern to the outlet about weapons from the U.S. and other Western nations provided to Ukraine. Now, the Ukraine angle is interesting, too. That's why I read these two articles. All right. So Ukraine – now, why would Ukraine sell weapons when they're at war? Well, because they're corrupt and they make money. All right. So Javelin shoulder-fired anti-tank missiles that were designed for Ukraine to defend themselves against Russian tanks, which, very, which those, those Javelin missiles are very good at doing that, by the way, uh, are in the hands of Hamas. What a surprise. And they're going to be used against Israeli tanks. Well, the first Israeli tank is blown up by an American missile. Oh, that's going to be interesting. Quote continues, even more shameful, the Israeli commander told Newsweek that if U.S. small arms seized in Afghanistan have been observed being used by Palestinian groups uh, in the Gaza Strip, oh, it says, the Israeli, let me start again. The Israeli commander told Newsweek that U.S. small arms seized in Afghanistan have been observed being used by Palestinian groups in the Gaza Strip. So that's more than just Hamas, that's Palestinian groups. Then it says in January, NBC, what a shock reported that weapons left behind in Afghanistan during the Brandon, you know, disastrous withdrawal, which we call the surrender, from the nation have been used to arm militants in Kashmir, India. And what NBC said, said experts call just the start of the weapons global journey. Yeah, $85 billion going to all the wrong people. Kashmir, India? That's where weapons are going. U.S. weapons should only be in one place with U.S. Uh, soldiers, <laughs> you know, U.S. personnel. That's it. American privately owned guns should all be with Americans. Huh. Authorities in Indian controlled Kashmir told the NBC that militants trying to annex Kashmir for Pakistan, Muslim, where Obama visited. Remember Obama visited Pakistan, the trip that nobody talks about? Right. Let me say that again. Authorities in Indian controlled Kashmir told NBC that militants trying to annex Kashmir for Pakistan, excuse me, Pakistan, as Obama would say, and uh, Brandon would say too, Pakistan had never had access to M4s, M16s, and other U.S.-made arms and ammunition until the U.S., quote, withdrawal from Afghanistan, which I'm calling Brandon's surrender. Article says the U.S. left approximately $7 billion worth of equipment and ammunition in Afghanistan. That's wrong. It was $85 billion. I don't know why they keep saying $7 billion in this article. This is including aircraft, air-to-ground missiles, uh, military vehicles, weapons, communications equipment, and other materials, according to a report by CNN. That's why CNN said $7 billion. It's actually $85 billion, you stupid idiots. Communist Network News. Then it says, according to the report, nearly 42,000 night vision surveillance biometric and positioning equipment 
was also left behind. Interesting. Additionally, 17,500 pieces of explosive detection, electronic countermeasure, disposal, and personnel protective equipment. That's how they detect the IEDs, the improvised uh, explosive devices, the things that killed like 90% of our soldiers in Afghanistan. Most of the soldiers in Afghanistan were killed or crippled by uh, traps, by explosions. They, they were not because they were fighting an enemy, that, so none of their combat skills would apply to direct fighting, you know, hand-to-hand, rifle-to-rifle, you know, artillery to artillery. None of those regular military skills applied. They were just blown up by booby traps. That's why we shouldn't, that's reason enough not to be there. The whole country is booby trapped. Why would you go there? To win what? You know, the first question that they should have asked every single day of the Afghan war, why are we there? What are we doing? What, what does victory look like? Remember Millie was quoted as saying, uh, Millie, the, the worst of all, one of the most horrible things I've ever heard any politician say, when asked, was, was Afghanistan worth it? He says, I can't answer that question. So wait a minute, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, now I'm mad, right? So he, he says, I can't answer whether it was worth it. So American soldiers who believed in this country, believed in freedom, believed they were fighting, believed they were, that they would give their life for freedom, who were killed or, or crippled and spending a lifetime with traumatic brain injuries and lost limbs. And the chief military person, the Joint Chiefs of Staff leader, when asked, was it worth it, said, I can't answer that question. Son of a bitch. Yeah, we need, we need, a, we need a, a, a hot place in hell for him. <sighs> Let's see if he gets uh, persecuted, prosecuted like he should be. All right. Then it says, so anyway, uh, all that is a potential falling into the hands of Islamic militants, including Hamas. So th- these, these weapons aren't just going to Hamas. They're going all over the, the Islamic terrorist world. I mean, ISIS could rebuild on these weapons. Then it says, what did the, my words, branded insurrection think would happen when they left $7 billion in ammunition as a gift to Islamic terrorists? It's $85 billion CNN. You still don't get the story right. Okay, let's, uh, let's hold up on this for now. I want to play you an interview, and I want to make sure I, I get this in before, um, before Jason comes here at the top of the hour. So let me just play you a couple. What time is it now? 8.05. 8.05. Take a quick break, and then I'll come back and play you my, my last interview on WEBY <laughs> with my last guest in the last 15 minutes, Ron DeSantis, which is kind of interesting how that, uh, how that worked out. All right, so I'll be right back. Yep, here we go. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare? 
insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Grave Care. And now as an affiliate of Grave Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grave Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. So Pianki asks the question, how do you know who Hamas is among a crowd? Well, you probably don't, but that's not the point. Um, Israel, uh, you know, has, uh, has files on, on all the terrorists, and they're going to go check those out. Now, the regular folks that, are, you know, uh, I would say the people with a gun, <laughs> those are probably Hamas. You know, the people that are, are killing people with, with knives and stuff, those are probably Hamas. I don't think it would be that hard to find. But you, you, you do a, you know, you read the riot act and say, look, everybody go home. Stay home. And, uh, you know, anybody that's on the street, um, you know, we're going to consider you a combatant. So, you know, 24 hour curfew, uh, you know, 24 seven. So go home, stay home. Of course, there's no electricity, no water, no nothing. So, uh, or if you want to leave, you know, uh, <laughs> they got to find a way to contact a, a person, uh, an Israeli person to say, okay, we're going to get you out of here. Uh, so the Marines run in and shoot anyone. That's a, that's a, a stupid statement. <laughs> no, it's not. Obviously that's ridiculous. Now, but I'm saying that the Marines uh, could go in with Israel in a coordinated uh, effort to to seize and control. I mean, how do they do it in Afghanistan? How do they do it in Iraq? You know, door. Remember the door kickers? They would go kick in doors. They don't go and shoot everybody. You know, you find out who they are. You bring them back. You know, and so this would be a door to door search, just like uh, was done. You know, when cities were liberated in World War II. You know, it's it's door to door, and that's how you do it. So you have enough Marines, and you have enough uh, that are on the carriers right now on the carrier, and enough Israeli Defense Force, and you can do it. All right, enough on that. Let me get to um, my, uh, my uh, Friday the 13th show. So this is my last hour on WBY. I had no idea uh, I was about to be fired uh, because I'm so optimistic. I, I don't know what's coming, right? And here's the thing. No, you know, there was no performance reviews. You know, well, Greg, your show really isn't up to par. No, everybody's happy, right? Especially the callers. 
there was no, you know, written warning, you know, that I'd done something wrong. Uh, I wasn't late, you know, I wasn't drunk, you know, I wasn't, you know, bad-mouthing the station on the air. I wasn't doing the things that usually get people killed. I wasn't absent. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I love my job. I was there early, you know, and, and with all kinds of incredible stuff, okay? Nothing that I considered I was doing wrong, right? And this is where it gets really interesting. And so to me, this is why I say it's, it's such a waste uh, that, uh, that the new owners just wanted to, as they said, you know, go in a different direction. Yeah, it sure did. So I went in a different direction, <laughs> blog talk radio. Um, but uh, I think I might make this a tradition, so like a Friday the 13th tradition or the 12th if I have to, just to kind of say, hey, you know what? Um, just, I don't know, maybe it's my own personal, maybe it is my own what was me moment, um, but I don't think so. I think I really see it. Well, you judge for yourself. You tell me. Anyway, so our phone number here, 215-383-3832. If you hear any other number, that's, that's the old number for a, a station that no longer exists uh, as WEBY, Northwest Florida's News and Talk Leader. Uh, anything else, any promos, anything else you hear, uh, I pretty much edit it out, but just in case, you know, that's, uh, I think I left one station ID uh, for, for W-E-B-Y in there. So anyway, listen to my last hour, and uh, we'll come back and uh, talk. Well, I got Jason, then we can talk about it after Jason's half-hour appearance. But uh, here we go. All right. 8.05 here on Action Radio with Greg Penglis. This has been just a crazy day. We've been having so much fun. Uh, I, I can't, uh, can't believe it. We actually have two guests this hour. So the number to call in, 850-623-1330, 850-623-1330. And I, I, I'm probably going to monopolize uh, Congressman DeSantis' time just because I have three pages worth of questions and he only has about 15 minutes here. So I'm probably not going to get hardly started on mine, but that's okay. And I have a friend. I have a friend that I met at, uh, at CPAC, uh, Karen Hoffman, who is right now at Freedom Fest in Las Vegas. And so I'm going to do is bring Karen on. And we're going to get uh, I told you, we're a national show. We cover everywhere. We have reporters everywhere. We cover everything. This is so much fun. Karen, how you doing? Long time no chat. I'm doing great, Greg. Thanks for having me back. Well, thanks for, for being at the, at the Freedom Fest and, uh, and uh, agreeing to, to come on the show and tell us what's going on. So I have not heard of this. So, uh, of course, I'm, I'm reading about this, you know, uh, from last night and this morning. I have to be there next time. I mean, I just absolutely have to. This looks like too much fun. So can you tell folks what it is and, and what you're doing and what you've discovered there? Um, yeah, well, I was, I was an attendee last year. I had kind of discovered it accidentally as well. I had not heard of it before and read up on it, and they were going to be having some amazing speakers, and I thought, well, let's just go out there and check it out. Our game had just come out, and I thought, well, maybe this would be a good venue for us. Yeah. And it was amazing. Um, last year, they had William Shatner as their you know, keynote speaker. And he was oh, what did he say? What, 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 did, what, did, what did Captain Kirk say to everybody? <laughs> you know, he just told stories. You know, he's huh. a mesmerizing storyteller. Yeah. And he just stood up on stage for, gosh, almost an hour and just told just wonderful stories. And, and he is a... I, I want to say a conservative or a libertarian, um, and so he holds the same kind of values as, as the rest of us. So he was he was just great, and you know they had Greg Gutfeld last year, oh, wow. Dan Bongino was here doing panels, and and Freedom Fest is just it's a lot of speakers, but it's also a lot of debate. 
They'll hold a lot of debates and panel discussions. They okay. have a, a film festival that goes on for the whole entire four days where, you know, they've got a lot of independent filmmakers that are showing their films. And so anyway, we, we signed up to come back um, before the event even ended last year. We're like, we're coming back next year. Okay. Makes so sense. Yeah. here we are this year. And this year I'm an exhibitor. So I have a, you know, I've got my games I'm selling in the exhibit hall. And Tell us about the game. Because you were my guest earlier. We talked about this. Let people know what, exactly what you got. Yeah. So my game is right on. It's a conservative party game. Um, our tagline is because mocking the left feels so right. <laughs> so, you know, it basically makes fun of liberalism and political correctness. So, we sit right in here at Freedom Fest. Freedom Fest is um, is actually put on by libertarians, um, okay. but they kind of lean a lot more conservatively than they do liberally. Um, I would say that they pretty much line up with conservatives in most all areas except for maybe, you know, um, legalizing marijuana and things like that they do believe in pretty much letting people do whatever people want to do yeah um and little government um but so this year this year you know they've had a little bit of bad luck because um their keynote speaker was george will and george will is a never trumper and the oh no oh Ooh, wrong guest for a party all about trump yeah yes, people, these people out here at freedom fest and i knew last year they were so excited about president trump they are wearing their MAGA hats and you know and all that and this year you know they've been advertising george will as their main speaker for like six months and i knew nope. that's not gonna be mm -mm. helpful <laughs> and it hasn't been the traffic has been much lighter this year um but so I didn't go to see George Will speak. I didn't have any interest in what he had to say. But they well, you've heard have, it before. You, you've heard it for like the last 20 years. He hasn't said anything new. Right. He's so irrelevant now, and he's so, you know, three decades ago. So um, that was a disappointment. But they also always have John Stossel, who's fantastic. Yep. He's always been a big part of Freedom Fest. And he would have been this year as well, but he fell a couple of days ago and broke his jaw. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, and so you know, you can't talk with that. Living, thinking, yeah. Right, so he had to cancel, and um, so we did. Judge Janine also was slated to be here, and now she's in the UK with President Trump okay. covering that. So um, we did have Judge Napolitano speak yesterday, and he was fantastic, and yeah. he talked about the Constitution and how important it is, and and all that kind of thing. Did he talk about uh, Judge Kavanaugh and the uh, the upcoming confirmation hearings at all? He did, um, and then several other people have spoken about that as well. And I think, for the most part, everyone's pretty on board with him. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's getting a pretty good uh, review. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the speakers. Then, There's like a bunch of speakers here. One I'd like to hear, uh, Kennedy from, from Fox News, has always intrigued me. With Lisa Hawaii. Kennedy, you yeah. know, she comes every year, and she usually doesn't come until the weekend, so uh -huh. she'll probably be coming in tonight. And she leads a, um, a a mock trial. Oh wow! She's the judge in the mock trial, and she is hysterical. So I'm looking forward to that. She's yeah. always very good at that. There's a lot of good speakers. Uh, Larry Elder's there. Mm -hmm. Someone I'd like to hear, and just yes. a bunch of folks that uh, would Denise be really. Denise Barelli is instrumental yeah. in this as well. She's yeah. always very good. So um, well, still a lot left to come. But mm -hmm. for you, yes, you know. I found out yesterday that uh, my friends from No Safe Spaces, the movie, are going to be here tomorrow. They are Dennis Prager's 
producers. Oh, wonderful. And they are coming. Yeah. Yes, they're coming to preview the movie. Okay. And so I will meet up with them. I will do my level best to get you in contact with Prager. If I can, I can, I'm going to be talking to my friends face-to-face. And so I'm going to be pulling for you. Well, thank you. We should let people you know, know how this works. This is something I've been working on uh, with Karen uh, since uh, CPAC. And what, basically what, I, what I'll do is I'll resend you my art so that way you can print it up and present it right to them tomorrow. So I'm going to make a okay. big note to myself here, a constitutional budget. So for those that don't know, in <laughs> fact, I'll, I'll put it back on the Action Radio Facebook page so people know. I took Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, and I assigned government agencies to the clauses in Article 1, Section 8. And those are the things that the government is empowered to spend money on. The Congress is empowered to uh, the delegate to spend money on these certain things and nothing else. And so I thought, well, what would that cost in today's dollars? So I, I did this. I put this together, and then I went around and found the best budget figures that I could, uh, given, and I had it's like o- across a few years, um, but I, I basically assigned a dollar figure to each government agency that was in, listed in, uh, or as close as I could, Article 1, Section 8, and it came out to a $1.1 trillion budget, uh, which is compared to like the $4.5 trillion budget they have now. So if they went strictly by the Constitution, our budget would be about one quarter the size it is. And so what I want to do is take that to, uh, to Dennis Prager and make a PragerU video uh, based on this article that I wrote, A Constitutional Budget, because I've searched online. Nobody else has ever done this. This is, this is new research. This is a new concept. And this is what we do here at Action Radio anyway. So Karen Hoffman, my wonderful, incredible friend, knows the people involved <laughs> with, with uh, Dennis Prager's organization and hopefully can do this so I can make that PragerU video and, and take Action Radio National with, with that alone. <sighs> Your turn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know what else to follow that up with. Yeah. Other than we'll see how today goes. And, um, you know, anybody that would like to come, they they hold Freedom Fest every July in Las Vegas. It's mid-July next year. But it really is a great event, and you should try to make it out here at least once. They've been holding it for, I think, I want to say like 30 years. Yeah, and like I say, at first I heard of it. What I want to do is write them and see if I can be a speaker next year. Absolutely. They are always looking for more speakers and for people to do, you know, debates and panel discussions. So I think you would fit right in. Oh, thank you. I'm there. I would do all that. That's wonderful. Karen, thank you so much for your report. Just uh, all I want to know is uh, tell folks the name of the game again and where they can get it and and your online sites and all that good stuff. Sure. It's Right On, a conservative party game. It's at www.rightongame.com and also available on Amazon. And I'll post that to the, to the, uh, excuse me, the Action Radio page, and I'll get that on in just a little bit. Karen, thank you so much for your report from Vegas. You're welcome. I love it. Here Have we go. You take weekend. care. And let me know what happens with, uh, with the PragerU folks. I'd be very curious with that I as well. certainly will. I will. <laughs> uh, All, right. All right. You take care. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. There you go. Bye now. That's Karen Hoffman, who has a, the game. Was, like I say, was, it was this, uh, uh, it's funny. It's it's a hysterical board game, and it makes fun of liberals and liberalism, and, and it just you know has all kinds of categories and different things. And I'll, I'll post that to uh, to the Action Radio page in just a little bit. It's eight fourteen here on a very interesting Friday. We've got um, we've got more things. We have some open time right now. Then we have the bottom of the hour news, and then probably a little bit more open time. And then uh, Congressman DeSantis is going to check in, and we'll find out what happened with that. Just unbelievable hearing that went on yesterday and we'll see, we'll see what kind of revelations we can get from, from the congressman. So I want to thank Karen for that report. And uh, like I say, so, so uh, Adog, what do you think? Uh, Prager, you, uh, you like that idea? Constitutional budget? Me on Prager, you? What do you think? Huh? Told you. Action Radio is happening. 815 here. Uh, 1330 WEBY, Northwest Florida's Talk Radio. We'll be back.
and welcome back to Action Radio. Welcome to Friday the 13th. We're going to have a wonderful time. <laughs> and on that happy note, <laughs> thank you, Adog. Can you, would you would you care to share where this is from? Or are we going to keep a guess, keep a mystery? Friday the 13th. Oh, there we go. That makes sense. So was it the first one, or are there many of them to go? Or, or uh, what do you think? We don't know. Uh, it's Friday the 13th. I don't know. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. All right, so yeah. So this is what we did last year, too. We had some fun with some of the horror themes. So you never know what's going to show up here. 819. So we have a little bit of time before the news. So if you want to call me right now, uh, if you have a question for Congressman DeSantis, if you have a reaction to Freedom Fest, if you were there, you know, if you want to tell a story. I mean, it, we're pretty much open today. We're, we're fair game for, for a lot of different stuff because, uh, and again, I have another guest uh, in the next uh, half hour for, of our action radio today, 850-623-1330. And I'm going to post the, uh, the game on... Um, you know, on our on our website as well. So a lot of things going on uh, as far as that goes too. So that's that's uh, Karen Hoffman again. I still there's a lot of contacts that I made at CPAC, and that's why that was so much fun that I haven't even gotten to yet. I mean, there's still people that I need to write, including Nigel uh, Lafarge, the guy from England. Uh, did I, oh, Farage. There we go, Nigel Farage. You know, I it was like two feet away from him. When I was talking to a staff member. I still got contact information for him. I need to follow up on, which I think I'll do after the. Um, after the, the, the NATO summit uh, is over, we'll find out what's going on with that. But there's just so many people, so many things happening with Action Radio, and it is catching on. And what's interesting about this is once you get involved in this process with other activists, you know, you, you kind of like form this club. And so wherever you are, because Karen's from, from, I think, Indiana, and she's in Vegas right now. And so the people I met were, were, were nationwide, and we're all talking to each other all the time. You know, so we're always talking about projects that the other person's doing, of things that are happening. And Freedom Fest just sounds like a blast to me. It sounds like something I would uh, definitely have a, have a great time doing. So I need to uh, not only be a speaker, but lead a workshop, because that's what I really want to do. It, I, you know, talking's fine. I mean, it's nice, but I'm an action guy. So what I really want to do is have people write bills. And so if I can get people at the convention, you know, especially if I can offer a workshop over, over you know, like several days, you know, or we'll do like a start and finish one where people can, uh, you know, a couple of times where we can actually get in there and get some stuff written down and, and get them to our, our Congress people. One of the folks I got the, uh, the citizen uh, uh, only on the census bill, the one that you, that you folks wrote with me, you know, on July 5th. Uh, that is, is at uh, Congressman DeSantis' office as well. So I have contacts with that office now, too. So we're going to build this up, hopefully when uh, broke, that uh, Congressman, I say Congressman a lot, <laughs> short than representative. Anyway, uh, Jim Jordan is going to be in the area at some time. I'm not sure when yet. I haven't gotten the schedule. But when he's here, I want to talk to him about Action Radio as well. And he's head of the Freedom uh, Coalition. And so, or the Freedom Caucus. I'm going to look that up. I think it's free, one or the other. Anyway, so Jim Jordan runs that. And, of course, he's the one getting all the, uh, all the false accusations right now to slow down his investigations. So all these things are happening. And it, it's really quite fascinating to, uh, to see this. But I've got a few minutes left. I want to talk about something that happened yesterday. We had uh, a pretty amazing caller. And that was Ted. In fact, Ted, if you have a few minutes to call back, uh, I'd love to, uh, to, to engage you again on this. If not this time, another time. We're going to have a lot of open action radio time. I've got many projects I need to work on. And, and yeah, I might be holding off on the guests for a little bit until I can get some of these things uh, done. Like the Prager you, you know, If we get Prager University, do you realize what that's going to mean for, for all the stuff around here? This is going to be because millions of people see that. 
And if we can get uh, not only a constitutional budget as a Prager University video, but as a lobbying tool, that's the real purpose of doing it for me, is to, is to get that out there so then I can take that to Congress. And one of the folks who backs the whole principle of my constitutional budget is Dr. Walter Williams. You know, he, is, he was really intrigued by the idea. He was one of my first interviews last year, and we're still in touch. I mean, I still keep him updated as to what's happening here. But if I can get that video, send that to him, he can then show that around. And, uh, and with our, our Congress people that are involved with Action Radio, we can get it to them. And, uh, you know, just that, I mean, Congress is not going to pass a constitutional budget. I know that sounds horrible, but they're not going to because there's too many uh, uh, entitlements and problems. But just the idea of having it out there, of showing where we could have been, where if we'd followed the track that was laid out for us by the Founding Fathers. This is why I say it's great to, to talk about and, and, uh, you know, and honor the Founding Fathers, but if you don't act on what they did, then you're missing the whole point of what they did. You know, so you can't just leave it at that. You can't, it, it's like being an originalist of the Constitution. It's a great thing to be an originalist. That's nice, but you've got to move ahead. You've got to move forward. You've got to apply it to what's going on today. We have to take the principles, which don't change because humans don't change, but the basic principles of liberty that we have and then advance them to the various things that are coming about. As technology changes, we adapt you know, to that. As different you know, fads and things come along, we adapt to that. But basic humanity doesn't change. And so you've got the constant of who we are as individuals endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights in a world that's ever-changing socially, politically, and technologically. And so all these things have to adapt while maintaining the principles, if that makes sense. So Ted calls yesterday, right? And so it was, it was a really incredible call, but he was, it was a, and I'm not picking on him, and I, I don't want to pick on him when he's not here to defend himself, but it was a really interesting example of, of what I was talking about, where a lot of people feel that um, the judiciary has this, this principle called judicial review. And so that's where they get to say what law is constitutional and what isn't, and they say that, well, we can do this because it's in the Constitution. Well, it isn't, okay? Not only is it not in the Constitution, it specifically was not delegated. Uh, to the judges, uh, to the federal judiciary um, to do that, which means per 10th Amendment, it's reserved to the uh, states and the people. And so the people through juries and the states through legislatures. That's where constitutionality of federal law is, is supposed to be determined, according to the Founding Fathers. But, the, but because this has been going on so long, you know, because it, it's now considered settled law, in fact, it's the one phrase I probably should have used yesterday, you know, um, it's, it's, this is still happening. But it's not settled law. It's, it's actually made up law. And so, uh, and then we got to the, this, this quote you're going to hear. I can't wait for the confirmation hearings to start because you're going to hear this again. Stare decisis, you know, uh, standing by things decided. Okay. Well, th they didn't decide it. They made it up. <laughs> and so, so this is why, but that's the, you know, so how do you fight a situation where the entire federal judiciary, the entire school system, uh, and everybody is, te and the entire government is teaching that judges can uh, tell you what the law is? When in reality, you know what the law is simply by reading it. And if you don't accept it, if you're on a jury handling a case under a particular law, you get to nullify that law by not, by not convicting. Even though someone may have technically broken the law in question, if the law itself is the problem, then you acquit, and so you, you basically nullify that law. So yeah, you passed that law, but we don't care because it's an unjust law. We tested it in this case, and it makes absolutely no sense. And that would be my, you know, my favorite case would be like, uh, you know, carrying a concealed weapon in, in Chicago when you're not allowed to, to do that. You know, you, they say you have to get a permit and then they don't give you a permit. Someone's caught carrying concealed weapon that they have to use to defend their life. And the jury says, oh, we, and the judge says, well, you have to convict this person because they, they defied the carry law. And the, and the jury could say, no, we don't. You know, Second Amendment says this and we don't think it's a good idea anyway. You know, we think just on general principle, you can defend yourself. So we're going to nullify this law. Okay. So what, uh, 
what my person yesterday would say is, no, you can't do that. The judges have to determine what the law is. The juries can only determine what the fact is. And that's going to be the biggest argument in our entire judicial reform uh, information you know, thing that's going to go on now. So I think I've cleared, I don't think I'm going to be talking about that much. I've got a case of a judge who overreacted, and I'll probably talk about that for a few minutes once we come back from the news. Okay, so we've got just a little bit of time, well, a couple of minutes left uh, before we get to... Um, the bottom of the hour news, and then we'll come back uh, in a little bit. And so I want to kind of I want to start to introduce this case. And this is where I think we run into a, a whole lot of problem uh, in that uh, we've let judges go too far. And one of the perfect examples is this judge uh, on the California border who says that the practice of separating families at the border is brutal and offensive. Well, uh, as you know, I remember I read that dissent yesterday from uh, Judge um, Roberts in the in the uh, same-sex marriage case, and judges aren't supposed to do that. They don't they don't comment on the legislation. There's you know they rule on the cases that are before them, and so here, in this first sentence, it's from uh, let me see what I've got here. Courthouse News Service. Okay, so it's it's the people who should know. It's the people in that in that bubble in that that judicial bubble. And uh, tell me if you see things wrong with the first line here. It's, it's out of San Diego. A federal judge found late Wednesday the government's practice of separating immigrant parents and their minor children who come to the U.S. seeking asylum potentially violates the family's due process rights. Okay? I need about 15 seconds to think about what might be wrong with that. In fact, I'm going to give you the, the – in fact, we're coming up on the news right now. So I'm going to give you the, the news. We'll come back when we when, – uh, you know, after the news. Here, let me give this to you again. A federal judge found late Wednesday the government's practice of separating immigrant parents and their minor children who come to the U.S. seeking asylum potentially violates the family's due process rights. Okay. So when we come back, I'll tell you everything that's wrong with that. Or if you can tell me, too, at 850-623-1330, and then we'll have uh, Congressman DeSantis uh, just a little bit after that. And you're listening to Action Radio with Greg Penglis, 1330 WEBY, Northwest Florida's talk radio. If I'm not there, I'm on the Action Radio Facebook page, and I have a lot to post on that. So things going on, things happening. We've got uh, coming up on our sixth interview in the next half hour. I'll be back. Where Northwest Florida talks. We're 1330 WEBY. Great. Friday the 13th. Their house is a museum when people come to see them. They really are a scream. The Adams Family. On Action Radio. <laughs> Thank you, Adams. All right. 1330 WEBY, Northwest Florida's talk radio. Action Radio here with Greg Penglis. So much going on. We're waiting for uh, Congressman DeSantis. He'll be checking in. I'm not sure. We're going to take a little break uh, a bit early just so I have plenty of time to... Uh, to talk to him, but let's get Jeff on the line. See if we can find what's wrong with this uh, this this whole this first three lines in this article from the uh, uh, what is it the the court news service. I mean, let me see if I can find it here. Hey, Greg. Yeah, what do you got, Jeff? What do you well, think? Well, the first thing is is he's uh, legislating from the bench. Okay. All right. You're right. And they are not U.S. citizens, so the Constitution does not apply to them. That's right, too. Very good. Yeah, you you got Period. it. And this is this is a big problem across the nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you, you've you've mentioned a lot of things. Good behavior. I don't care what what jurisdiction your bench is in. If these judges keep doing this crap, we got to get rid of them. Well, and that's People the thing too. Need that... To know to vote them out. Yep. 
Well, or what about people who are going to vote them out? I mean, we need people in Congress who are going to hold them to terms of good behavior. Uh, yeah, to nullify them. <laughs> well, you, oh, you're picking up all my words this week. This, is, this must have been a good week for you. Well, well, I listen to everything you say, okay. and you know it makes me think about <laughs> yeah. the issues. Yeah. And you know, I'm retired, so I I have the ability to sit here and listen to the show because mm-hmm. I'm retired military. I get up early, and yeah. um, you know what, the thought process and the things that you bring to the table, if they are not making people think, how screwed up this country is yeah then then they're not listening well thank you very much i really appreciate that you know and 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 the funny part is a lot of this i can't consult the experts or the sources i I just have to read the basic material because if you listen to everybody else you'll get caught up in that bubble you get caught up in that judicial bubble oh yes well marbury versus madison and stare decisis and these big words and and they have the robes and they have all the formal treatment and well if the judges don't do it then nobody will do it which of course is what are they they're walking on a lot around like they've been anointed yeah um um at the same time i just wanted to say you know if you can get this prager university video oh yeah going Mm -hmm. uh, i've watched several of them i don't listen to them every single day Mm -hmm. but uh it there are millions of people that watch those videos. I know. <laughs> well, here, here's, here's the plan. And so what I want to do is get the video. And so Karen knows the people that produce uh, Prager U- University videos. So the contacts I made at CPAC were unbelievable. That's why it was so worth going there. I wish it was a Freedom Fest. I, did, I didn't know anything about it. But uh, I'm going to talk to them uh, afterwards and, and see if I can be a speaker next year. But if this happens, if this video gets produced, then ideally I'll be a guest on, on Dennis Prager's show. And Dennis Prager's heard here. He's heard here on, on WBY. And, All right. Greg, yeah. I got another call coming in. I got to get off. Well, Thank I guess, you. You're calling, telling the talk shows you have another call. You cracked me up. <laughs> well, somebody's calling me. Oh, that's people. fine. No, I understand. Right. Go ahead, Bye-bye. Jeff. Thank you. Bye now. <laughs> Yeah, so but uh, but that's the idea. So if ideally I'll be a guest on Dennis Prager's show, we'll be explaining the video, talking about a constitutional budget and educating you know the entire country on on how far we have strayed from the Constitution and show what the Constitution actually covers. People are going to be shocked. In fact, I'll, I'll repost my article to the the Action Radio Facebook page that I wrote. It's, it's, I think it's about maybe a year, year and a half old right now. But uh, again, I keep checking online to see if anything else has ever been written on it, and it hasn't. So it's still original, still original thought here. But from there, if I can get to be a guest on the show, then ideally we'll start to get known you know, around the country, and then hopefully more stations will pick up Action Radio and we'll go from there. And this is going to be a, a thing. And so whereas you're, you're legislating now locally, you know, I'm going to be able to tie in citizens from around the country. And so we'll get ideas from everywhere, and we'll have other talk show hosts. And this is going to be this is going to be huge. This is going to be a very big thing. And it just happens. I just got lucky enough uh, to get offered the position here to be able to do this and start the process here. But uh, believe me, we are just getting started. There is so much more to do. So let me tell you what's wrong with this um, this thing from the. Um, from this judge. So this is a federal judge found late Wednesday the government's practice of separating immigrant parents and their minor children. Okay, first of all, it's not a practice, all right? And this is something uh, that's been going on for a long time. They aren't immigrants. <laughs> I mean, everything about this thing is wrong, okay? So, you know, uh, federal judges, whether they can rule on, yeah, they can rule on government practice. I mean, that's, you know, if someone brings a dispute, especially states have, have conflicts and things like that, that, if it falls under law or falls under uh, you know, government practices, that's something that they can, they can handle. But what they can't do is make policy, and they can't make law, because all, all legislative power rests with the, with the legislature. You know, all federal uh, legislative power rests with the Congress. So if a judge makes any kind of law or rule beyond the case, they're acting illegally. 
So this whole idea that, uh, first of all, these aren't immigrant parents. They're illegal aliens. Illegal aliens, you know, first of all, can avoid this situation by not being here. All right? So, and they're minor children. You have no idea if they're minor children. They could be human traffic kids. You know? So we have to find out if they are, in fact, their minor children. So everything about this thing is wrong. And so they're going to come to the U.S. seeking asylum. They can do that at an embassy, a U.S. embassy in their own country. You don't cross the border to seek asylum. It's a political thing. It's not a border thing. All right? And talking about potentially violates the family's due process rights. They have no rights. You don't have rights unless you're covered by the Constitution. And the 14th Amendment says you have to be subject to U.S. jurisdiction. And the only people subject to U.S. jurisdiction are U.S. citizens. Okay? If you're a citizen of another country, you're subject to that country's jurisdiction. That's how it works. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, uh, a legal jurisdiction. It's not a geographic jurisdiction. Anyway, I'm going to take my break early just in case uh, and we get uh, Congressman, Congressman DeSantis calling in. But that's just wrong. That's article. And so, again, 840 here on Action Radio with Greg Penglis, 1330 WEBY, Northwest Florida's Talk Radio. We'll be right back. This is a scary song, eh, dog? It's Friday the 13th, and we don't care. This is actually a real song, isn't it? Do, do you have the name of the group handy? Or, or is this a research project? <laughs> Wait a minute, I think we got the congressman on the line here, so we'll, uh, we'll get this a bit. So let me, let me give you an idea. What's, this is Greg Penglis here, 1330 WEBY, Northwest Florida's uh, talk radio. Let me tell you what, uh, what happened. There was a hearing yesterday. Peter Strzok is, is one of the most controversial people uh, in the whole country right now for what he's doing with the FBI. Is it the congressman on the line? Let's get right to him. So, uh, Congressman Ron DeSantis, welcome to Action Radio. Hey, it's good to be here. How are you? I am very well. First of all, it's a great pleasure to meet you at the rally with uh, Congressman Gates and uh, Sean Hannity just uh, last week. And uh, I threw you a couple of action radio bills so you know what we're, we're doing here with uh, the only radio show with a citizen legislature as a component of it. That's great. I appreciate all the work you guys are doing. Listen, I appreciate the work that you are doing. So let's get right to it because we have a limited amount of time. Uh, you were there at the hearing with, with Peter Strzok. Can you kind of tell us your impressions firsthand from, from having to go through that experience? Well, this is a guy who was not credible in his explanations, and that's actually something that the inspector general found uh, when he did his report. But Strzok has all these text messages, these horrible things he's saying. Mm-hmm. He hated Donald Trump. And he stood there under oath and said that he was not biased at all, uh, which is just not worth the paper it's printed on. And so he wasn't honest about that. He didn't have um, very persuasive explanations about why he did some of the things he did, like sitting on the Huma Abedin Hillary emails mm-hmm. in September of 2016. Uh, he didn't answer questions about how it came to be. They opened up a counterintelligence investigation against Trump's campaign, even though uh, ten months later, he was admitting to Lisa Page. There's no there there. Uh, and then I thought that the Democrats 
they really took this strange posture of running interference for Strzok. They were basically standing up for Strzok, almost acting as his defense attorneys. I thought that was a huge mistake. I thought they came off very bad. Um, I thought they were going to take the tack of saying, like, yeah, you know, Strzok, he said those things. He was a bad agent, shouldn't have done it, but it didn't affect the, the facts of the case. And they didn't do that. They were basically just standing up to him. You even had uh, one Democrat said that Peter Strzok, because he was coming to testify and answer questions, deserved a Purple Heart, uh, which is just an outrageous thing to say, and it really, I think, diminishes uh, the service of those folks who, who have been wounded in service of our country. So um, we did learn, though, I think a couple things. Uh, one, we had always suspected that the infamous Steele dossier, which was funded by Hillary for opposition research, mm-hmm. that that ended up in the FBI through this guy, Bruce Orr, at the Justice Department, whose right. wife, Nellie Orr, worked for Fusion GPS, the firm that, that, that contracted out the research. And Strzok basically confirmed that, that um, Bruce Orr gave it to him and gave it to people inside the FBI. So that's a really significant thing, because you basically had a feedback loop where you had Hillary's campaign generating opposition research with Fusion GPS, and then Fusion had a pipeline directly into the highest levels of the Obama Justice Department, and then the Justice Department is feeding it into this counterintelligence thing. Um, Not exactly the way this is supposed to work, and I think the American people look at that when government's exercising awesome counterintelligence powers. uh, You you don't want it to be done by basically having them being fed political opposition research. Yeah, and here's the thing, too. The the Democrats, you'd think that uh, they want to prevent this happening for any administration, because if the the Obama holdovers can do this with this fake dossier, and I object to the word dossier. That's like a Russian Cold War term, so you're you're almost reinforcing the the Russian conspiracy every time you say dossier, as opposed to file or something else. You know, but, but the Democrats, you would think that they would want to uh, clear this up because a Republican president outgoing could do exactly the same thing, get a FISA warrant, you know, go spy on a future Democrat candidate and, and do exactly, you know, if it's permissible for them, but they're not doing that. So my question is, do you think that the Democrats, especially the Democrats on these investigative committees, on judiciary, on oversight, on intelligence, are somehow connected with the cover-up with the FBI and there's even a bigger collusion going on? I don't know that they're a part of that, but I think what they have done is they've gone so far down the road Mm -hmm. of collusion, and they've been rattling the sabers on that for over a year, year and a half even, that if struck, if we got all the information we've been asking for, Mm -hmm. what was done in terms of informants to try to uh, touch Trump's campaign early on, what did they use to, to launch the counterintelligence investigation? What was used? Did they use the dossier to get FISA surveillance? If we had, and we got some answers to those, yep. but obviously the fight back and forth with the agencies have been about getting all that information. And I think they, they believe that if that were disclosed, then it would show that there really wasn't any there there. I mean, even Strzok himself said that in the text message the day Mueller was appointed. He texted Lisa Page, his lover, the FBI lawyer, and he was talking about whether he was going to join Mueller's team. And he said his great concern was that there's no there there. So he wanted an investigation leading to impeachment. He hated Trump. But even he is admitting 
that there just wasn't any any evidence that to, for any type of conspiracy. And so I just think that they got so invested in this. And it's not just the Democrats. I mean, it's the elite media up here. Yeah. They are yeah. invested in what is essentially a conspiracy theory based off of political opposition research and dirt. And uh, they do not want um, to just admit that they were just dead wrong about this for a year and a half. Yeah, I've got your uh, testimony and uh, your questioning of Peter Strzok on the Action Radio Facebook page, so anybody's welcome to take a look at that. But I, I describe this as, as, a, as a through the looking glass problem where everything is backwards. You know, I think that the whole Mueller committee is the insurance policy. And, that, and I'm now thinking that uh, Attorney General Sessions is part of this insurance policy because he's not going for a second prosecutor. So you've got Mueller with a, a fake investigation, no evidence, uh, designed to never find anything but keep investigating for the sole purpose of stopping the Trump agenda. Uh, yet the Democrats and the media have told Gation and that you guys are the fake investigation when you guys are actually the real investigation with the real evidence. So everything in this whole thing is, is like a, a completely backwards perception that you have to get around before or you can even investigate. What do you well, think? there's no. I mean, I just I think there's no doubt if you look at the the, the string of, of communications uh, with Strzok opening up the counterintelligence investigation on 31 July 2016. Mm -hmm. A week later, he's saying no, Trump won't get elected. We'll stop it. Yeah. And then the next week, he's talking about this insurance policy that that this counterintelligence investigation was what. Uh, struck wanted to do. He basically is weaponizing the counterintelligence powers of the government uh, for political purpose. Um, and that's a huge, huge problem. And I don't think that they ever really thought uh, that it could get to a Mueller because there was no underlying crime. But what happened was when Sessions recused himself, Rod Rosenstein gets it confirmed as deputy AG. Mm -hmm. And I think Rosenstein made a huge mistake by appointing a special counsel because the regulations require that it be a criminal case. And there was no evidence of, a, of an underlying crime. And yeah. the Democrats were him and Hahn about, oh, there are people have been indicted, blah, blah, blah. None of those indictments or guilty pleas have anything to do with, with collusion with Russia. They're either process crimes, which, or, you know, within the case of people like Flynn, I mean, that was an ultra-aggressive um, prosecution. They did not do that to Hillary. They did not do that to Huma Abedin. They did not do that to Cheryl Mills. Cheryl Mills fibbed to the FBI, and it's like, okay, we just kind of go on. So it was a real difference in zealousness there. Uh, but that was a process. And then the Manafort stuff was years before mm -hmm. the 2016 campaign. So, so far, for Russian collusion, Mueller has come up with absolutely nothing. And so me and other people in the Congress have basically been saying, look, this has been going on for really two years when you count when the FBI first started doing stuff in the spring of 2016. So here we are. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't have the goods, let's move on. Um, and my fear is that it's just going to be open-ended and they're just going to try to find whatever they can um, and just keep going on infinitum. And that's wrong. That's not the way uh, prosecution powers are supposed to be used. No, and even if they don't find anything, just the fact that the Mueller committee exists is taking you away from budget, it's taking you away from foreign policy, it's taking you away from improving the military, it's taking you away from getting rid of regulations, it's taking you away from, uh, from future tax cuts, and all the things that you should be doing to advance the, the conservative agenda, Trump's agenda, and your own agenda. No, it's no doubt about that. I think it's done a lot of damage uh, to our politics. I think it has created um, impediments to us getting more substantive work done, mm -hmm. uh, which, we, which we desperately are, are trying to do. 
Um, and so, you know, look, I think Rosenstein really bungled this by, yeah. by appointing Mueller. And Mueller is just not the type of guy, I think, that he just wants to fold up his tent. I mean, if you look at his history when he was FBI director, you know, the, he went after this guy Hatfield for the anthrax attacks for years. The guy was totally innocent. He ruined his life, and he never admitted that he was wrong about it. So that's just not the type of, of guy that's well-suited uh, uh, for, for, for this position as special counsel. I mean, what you wanted, you know, I don't think there should have been one, but if there is one, what you wanted is someone to really look quickly and if there's no there there, say that uh, so that the country can move on. Yeah. Do you see any changes at the FBI? And I've talked to Congressman Gates about this, maybe splitting uh, investigation from enforcement or, or changing the way that uh, the, the directors of the FBI, the way the, the organization uh, runs. Do you, do you see anything? Are you projecting that far into uh, looking into what to do with the FBI to sort of reform them? Well, I, the thing that I think comes out of this uh, whole thing for me is it's not just FBI, it's justice. It's that okay. if you're completely innocent and the Justice Department targets you, uh, you may, maybe I, they can't convict you if you are innocent, but they can definitely bankrupt you. They can definitely ruin your life. Um, and there's no consequence if they do that illegitimately. And um I've some, I was a federal prosecutor for a time, and I thought that the people that I worked with were great. I thought everyone was professional. But, man, when you see the Strucks, when you see the McCaves, when you see some of these people, um, I think there just needs to be um, some accountability. If, if people are being run through this process and bankrupted and they did nothing wrong, um, the idea that the government should just be able to do that uh, willy-nilly and that there's no consequences I think is wrong. Um, so... We, I think the Justice Department has too much power, and I do think that there needs to be some reforms. How you do that, um, I think, w would obviously require a lot of debate, and it's not going to be anything that's going to be able to get done while the whole Mueller stuff is still out there. It's going to have to be after that when people can kind of sit down and say, okay, you know, where do we go from here? But I definitely, the way some of the people have been treated in this whole thing, um, I think is, has been a disgrace. Yeah, I think that's something we can take up with my Action Radio audience because we do write bills. I mean, we, we did something on the, the, the citizen only uh, for the Census Act, and I think this is something we can talk about in terms of restitution for people who were victims. You know, you have, if, if someone's wronged and uh, the, the other side pays their attorney's fees, you know, there's a lot of things that can be done. And what this reminds me of is when the IRS was attacking conservatives under the Obama administration, and they, they had political, political groups couldn't get there, nonprofit status, people were targeted, audits were specifically targeted. It seems like the FBI has become the, the, the new IRS in, in terms of uh, going after political enemies. Well, certainly at the top echelon with the Strucks and the Pages and the McCabe's, and, Co and Comey even admitted, you know, he, he was very political in terms of how he viewed it. Um, I don't think he was necessarily a partisan in the sense of rooting for one party over the other, but I think Comey just thought through a political lens, and I think McCabe and Strzok and Page, obviously there's big problems there. So that's, um, that's something that it, it's going to trickle down to mm -hmm. if you have jury trials and you have an FBI agent testify. The American people are going to remember some of this stuff, and I don't know that they're going to necessarily just take everyone's word for it. So I think it's going to have long-term implications for the success uh, of certain prosecutions and uh, ultimately for public safety. Yeah, and I spent a lot of this week talking about the Supreme Court and our early history of jury nullification before uh, Marbury versus Madison uh, took over with the judicial review. But 
and that might play into it later too. But I got a, one question. We only have a couple minutes left here. Um, something that happened on Lou Dobbs' report last night, talking about these 93 U.S. attorneys have been, uh, I guess, asked by Rosenstein to to get or nominate or somehow get three prosecutors to to come up and vet Brett Kavanaugh. And my first thought was, what's really going to happen is Rosenstein's going to interview those prosecutors to vet the U.S. attorneys to see what they know. I think this is like a reverse operation. Does that make any sense at all? You know, I, I don't know. I, I've, it's, I've never seen this happen before, so uh, I, I've just it just seems curious to me yeah. why he's doing that and why that would be the province of some of these U.S. attorneys to be getting involved in the judicial selection process. Um, I think we're going to probably ask Rosenstein to explain why he's doing that. Uh, and, and hopefully get some answers because it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know, we just ran out of time, sir. Thank you so much for being on the show, um, and we will hopefully do it again sometime soon. All right, take care. There Bye-bye. We go. Thank you. Bye now. Congressman Ron DeSantis, and I'll be back at 11 o'clock, and then, of course, I'll be back again uh, at 6 o'clock Monday morning. What a crazy day. Except I wasn't back at 6 o'clock Monday morning because I got fired five minutes later. Um, and that's how it went. I mean, like I say, I, the whole world was opening up to us. And then it just got uh, cut off. But that's okay. We rebuilt. We're doing well. Things are absolutely fabulous now. We've got amazing friends. And life is great. So let's get back to the present day. Five minutes before uh, Jason Shepard comes back to join us. Now, Jason's interesting. He was on once before. He is the, the uh, social media guy. He's created Winkin uh, Social Media. Uh, any name? <laughs> Let me, uh, I'm just going to scroll up here. I'm going to get my, my, my guest of the day thing all lined up. There we go. I'm trying to get better at this. You know, I can do several things at once. Let me give you a little bio on him. So, anyway, he's uh, founder of Winkin. Uh, he apparently, uh, and I'll probably read this when he gets here so he'll know what I'm talking about, uh, worked with uh, Wendy Bell. And so I want to talk to him about that as well. And something in the, the stuff I got from uh, from the folks that uh, sent me these wonderful guests, apparently he wants to talk about Jim Jordan as the next speaker. So I'm going to talk about that too. But uh, he's got a bunch of stuff. Apparently he was banned by Apple and <laughs> Google Play back in January of 2021 uh, while he was number one on both stores uh, after receiving multiple subpoenas from the House Select Committee on January 6th. So he's one of us. <laughs> you know, he has uh, his grown Wimkin to over 9 million users. And so I'm on Wimkin. You know, you can go to Action, you know, Greg Penglis Action Radio. Just go to Action Radio on Wimkin. You know, I post the shows there. Um, I've got uh, our bills there. You know, anything that comes out recently, uh, I should, and my Substack articles go there. Uh, I think I have to catch up on some of the Substack and maybe the bills, but uh, the shows go there. And so other things uh, go there as well. More on his bio. He has since created a TikTok alternative named Realster, R-E-E-L-S-T-E-R, and the YouTube alternative aptly named Truth Leak. <laughs> sounds good. Anyway, uh, so it says here, uh, Jason's a staunch defender of the Constitution and freedom of speech. He is an advocate for election integrity, as we are, a philanthropist. Well, that's good to know. Donating a large percentage of platform profits to victims of child sex trafficking. Well, that's, that's a wonderful uh, thing for him to do. And organizations that prevent such. So good for him on that. Uh, maybe I can sneak in something for Action Radio, too. Anyway, that's it. Uh, Anybody uh, want to make a quick comment? We've got about like two or three minutes left. I'm not sure what else to cover here um, because those are, those are some of the big things. Um, things I'll be looking into. I want to make another article I can just do a little bit on here. Uh, yeah, let's, let's get this one, and then I'll, I'll take a look at this until Jason calls in. This is something Newsweek. Newsweek's doing some great reporting. Uh, nope, there he is. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. 
Uh, so let's uh, let's just do check one thing here real quickly. Uh, oh, that's somebody. Unless he's calling in from a different line, huh? Let's see. Let me do a quick check of my uh, my master phone log. Unless uh, it could be. I mean, like I say, people tell me different different things like that. And let me just. Uh, Ah, there he is. Okay, so now I have, a, I have another caller. Well, maybe Jason brought a guest with him. So let me introduce uh, Jason the way I usually do it with, uh, with a little drum roll. So let's introduce our, our guest of the day, Jason Shepard. So he's the founder of Winkin Social Media, as I said a minute ago, an entrepreneur, a free speech advocate who has launched numerous social media platforms to provide alternatives to combat big tech censorship. Also founded, like I said, Wimkin was founded in 20, August of 2020. In May 2021, Shepard partnered with Newsmax, uh, host Wendy Bell and Wendy Bell Radio to develop an app to keep her free from censorship. We have a bill that does that. So let's bring on, on Jason right now and uh, welcome back to the show. And his line is live now. There we go. Hey, Jason, welcome back. Morning, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. Well, listen. It's, it's now, now you're regular. Now you're part of the crew here. So you know, it's, it's we're, we're like old buds. So this is good. Let's give you a round of applause for a second. There we go. So, did you bring a guest with you? Because somebody called in as soon as you called in. Um, I did not bring a guest with me. No. Okay. Well, that's fine. Well, I'll do a little investigating. I keep uh, logs of everybody <laughs> that calls in, so I, I know who everybody is, except when uh, I haven't, this is a new number to me. So we'll see who's going on. If it's a commentator who's, kind of, you know, well, let me let me take a look and see what's going on first. But uh, you first. I might, because uh, you're only here for half an hour, right? We only have you for a limited time. Uh, yes, that's correct. Okay. So my caller, uh, I'm just going to have you hang on for a little bit because, yeah, you're a new caller. Don't recognize that line. So we'll get you in about half an hour. All right. So what's going on? What have you been doing since we last talked? What's, what's happening in social media world, censorship, and, and Wimkin and all the other things you do? Well, uh, to be quite honest with you, um, not much new is going on with the Wimkin platform. I mean, we're still plugging away. Uh, we are seeing an uptick um, in some Hamas and uh, Israeli slash Egyptian IP addresses over the last five days. Um, so huh. that's pretty interesting to obviously deal with. Yeah, especially because um, Breton in uh, the EU, of course, the commissioner and uh, pretty much the face of the Digital Services Act um, is pretty much, I guess, defining what Musk and Zuckerberg are allowed to have on their platforms now with this, you know, um, inherent war. But um, and obviously, the, the fines of these things are incredibly vast if they're found to be um, in violation of the Digital Service Act. I mean, we're talking 6% of their annual revenue worldwide. So I believe, um, I'm pretty certain that Meta is on pace for about $120 billion this year. So you can imagine that percent of that is just a staggering number. So it's well, so those $120 that, billion, think, <laughs> you know, they, they, yeah. they seem to be doing rather well. Oh, yeah. You know, so uh, which do. is fine. Yeah, I don't mind companies know, doing well, <laughs> but you know, this you know, considering, uh, yeah, that's interesting. So this is called the Digital Services Act. I just want to make sure that's that's what you're talking about. Yeah, that is correct. It's something that again, they're they're trying to you know label things as actually being legal that you know these groups are sharing, and you know, I agree with some of it. There's no doubt about that. But you know, me being a censorship uh, person that tries to fight this and advocates for free speech. You know, there's a fine line in, in everything. It's it's very hard to define actually what is free speech and what is not. And um you well, know, it really that. comes down to That's a great oh. question. Let's let's do that. What is free speech and what is not? How would you oh, define my goodness. it? I mean it, so it's You're it's right. almost impossible to actually <laughs> define because someone's always gonna question something that, you know, walks uh-huh. that, that very fine line. 
So me as so now wait founder, a minute, that's two different questions. Okay, so now this is this is Action Radio. This is what we do here. So the question is not what free speech, but what is true speech. So that's a different question. Mm. So it, people, I think people blur that distinction. It's like when someone says uh, uh, an illegal immigrant. Well, that, that's, that's, uh, that's a non sequitur. That's, that's an impossibility. You're either a legal immigrant or an illegal alien. Okay? So free yeah. speech. The, so free speech really, I define it. Here's how I define it. Tell me if this makes sense, right? So, so all our rights are absolute. Otherwise, they're not rights. Rights have nothing to do with individuals. What they really do is prohibit government. So in other words, the Second Amendment does not tell me that I have the right to keep and bear arms. I already have that right. I'm a free citizen. God gave me that right. Okay. So as a person, uh, as a free person, I can carry arms. That's, that's long established. That's what the whole, our, our whole country is all about. What the, what the Second Amendment does is, is that government cannot touch that right. If it cannot touch that right, then that is absolute. So the government is prohibited from doing anything, even the most minuscule, tiny little thing that infringes, encroaches, approaches in any way my ability to keep and bear arms. Now, it says nothing about using them. Okay, so if I just had to use arms, now we're in statutory law, because you, the use of arms is both legal and illegal. Legal use, self-defense. Illegal use, carjacking. Well, let's talk about free speech. It's the same thing. <laughs> so in other words, does it make sense? How am I doing? It, it, that makes perfect sense. But in the realm of social media and what people can actually, you know, so what I was getting at is essentially how okay. we're challenged upon that. You know, people believe mm. that pornography is free speech. And I say, well, technically, I guess it's somewhere it, it is. That's why you have your, you know, your X-rated sites and things. But in in the world of social media, where you have you know people of all ages, you could be committing a crime. So I'm going to define that as not free speech and not allow that on my platform. Um, okay. Well, see, so, I don't define know, it. For, uh, pornography is not speech. Now, maybe art to some people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the line between pornographic right. and erotic. That's that's an interesting line. But it's not speech because speech. The way I define speech: arguments, opinions, conclusions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like ev- evidence. Well, I think it's been a while since I've done this. Evident arguments, opinions, and conclusions. That's free speech. So if you're engaging sure. in speech, we're communicating with words, okay? So speech is words, all right? Now, if you're doing pictures, that's art. That's a whole different thing. Pictures are not speech. So I would separate Yeah, two we agree out. on so, that fully. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, that, good. That's, so, that's so, one of our biggest arguments is why can't we share this here? And it's just because, again, that is not speech. Well, then you're, you're censoring us. I mean... There's never a good no. We're using way judgment. to actually get it. <laughs> you, you're See, using the good thing. judgment. I'm telling you straight up. It's, 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 it's almost impossible to get through to every single group of this. But, you know, I'd say 95% of people that actually join Wimkin are actually 100% in agree- agreement with that. Um, Interesting. You know, yeah. nobody wants to see that uh, in that app. And we're a teen-rated app. So, you know, legitimately, if someone's sharing that type of content, you know, they are seriously committing a crime. I mean, they're, they're right. sharing something with, you know, potential minors. So, um, but, you know, that, that's kind of an extreme aspect. You know, now other things that, you know, we don't allow on our platform is you can't openly threaten somebody. I'm going to come mm-hmm. to your house and, you know, attack you or assault you or worse. Um, you know, so there's a lot of those things, too, that certainly walk a fine line. Then we have individuals trying to sell weapons and, you know, drugs. And, of course, all of that is banned. So, but mm-hmm. that's really where I draw the line personally. I think everyone is certainly entitled to their own opinion. Um, outside of any real criminal activity, um, you know, I'm going to say that that should be okay on social media. Hmm. This is really interesting. Uh, again, we had, I had no idea what we we're going to talk about. Yet, so this is I love to go into these little spontaneous <laughs> things. All right. So so now here's how I, I, I define a different thing too. Uh, when I talk when people talk about political contributions as speech, it's like no, it's not. 
If you're contributing, if you're a private person who just wants people to have more access to speak, like those $25 you know, contributions, contributions, yes, that's speech. You're actually paying for someone to be able to have their speech have more access. That's, that comes under speech. But, uh, but Big Pharma, when they contribute billions of dollars to make sure they don't have liability so that they get people in office who give them a greater return on their investment, that's commerce. Okay, mm-hmm. so I define I define any corporation giving large amounts of money to a political party for the sole purpose of getting a greater return on their investment in that member of Congress or that party that they're engaging in commerce. That's not speech at all, because, again, ideas, opinions, evidence and uh, conclusions, arguments and conclusions. Those to me are the five components of speech. Make sense? Yeah, you I agree with you. I, I fundamentally yeah. agree with you on that as well. I mean, yeah. I, to me, obviously uh-huh. doing this for the last three years and, and being at the forefront of being attacked by the select committee, obviously, attacked by big mm-hmm. tech, attacked, uh, attacked by mainstream media, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've kept my same stance as this, um, you know, on this subject. And, uh, you know, it's just, again, it really comes down to, you know, essentially what you're allowing in a public forum. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you have a, a and a great deal of liability with that. They're trying to do these things, obviously, with the Restrict Act as well as the uh, Digital Services Act in the EU, which actually is, is something that seems like it has some teeth. But, um, you know, essentially, though, it really comes down to, you know, publishers. We, I mean, we have this, uh, this you know, Section 230, of course, that you know, yep. you're very astute with. Oh, oh yeah. Um, you know, we have <laughs> that that's supposed that. to protect us. <laughs> no, well, it's not. You know, we're supposed to be talking no, about not. the Speaker of the House right now, by the way. <laughs> yeah. you say that again? Um, our topic today was actually the Speaker of the House. So, um, Do you want to talk about great, that? Though. I, I, we, we can digress. We can talk about cool. anything that you like. It's always a great uh, round robin here with you. <laughs> and you can call back anytime you want. You don't have to wait for, for an invitation. You're always welcome to call. Fact, oh, even thank if you, you like, so like text me or that. message the day before, just say, hey, I want to talk. Okay, great. Or you can even call me spontaneously. I got your number. All right. Well, let's thank do, you. Let's do Jordan, and then let's get back to uh, Section 230. So Speaker Jordan uh, is the person mm-hmm. I would like, I'd like to see. I actually wrote an article on Substack. Uh, on all the reasons that Trump could be speaker uh, and all the things that mm-hmm. he could do. You know, the House Select Committee on the Stolen Election, uh, canceling the budget, building the wall, uh, defunding the Department of Justice. I had all these different things that he could do as speaker promoting yeah, the yeah. legislation. Okay. So what do you think of that, first of all? Let's get on to Jordan. How about Trump as speaker? Um, I, I think it would be great. I mean, I would love to see him do that as an interim. Like he stated, he would be okay for, I think he said 30 to 60 to 90 days. I'm not 100% sure if that's a, you know accurate, but I believe I did mm-hmm. read that, that he stated that he would – do it for a small period of time just as a, you know, not to take away from his presidential campaign. But, mm-hmm. yeah, people – I think most people are aware now that, you know, he would be the, you know, the third person removed from the, um, you know, president of the United States anyways at that point in time, you know, vice president, uh, then it goes to speaker. So, um, yeah, that'd be funny. I think that he would – I mean, it would be – from being incompetent and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and Biden was 25th Amendmented, yeah, that uh, Trump would be, would be president. Which he is anyway. Yeah, that's, that's the irony. We, and we've he seen so he won the election, so yeah. Yes, and we've seen so much in this country, and it, you know, no pun intended here. Something that's unprecedented is pretty much Trump the next week now. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it it essentially we, we've seen everything that something like that could actually happen. You know, mm-hmm. as far fetched as something sounded, you know, five years ago, it's certainly yep, not, not now far fetched anymore. But <laughs> we're we're but, just looking know, back, um, Jason. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, but. I mean, I would love to see that as in the interim because I think that he could certainly, um, you know, get this disorganization out uh, that, you know, that I guarantee you that the, the left is going to prey upon this and say, look, you couldn't even, while we're in a looming shutdown here, um, you know, you, you oust your speaker, you, know, you pretty much cripple the House uh, 
at this point in time, then, you know, we have this, you know, Israeli-Hamas conflict, which is, you know, just unprecedented in its own right. So, I, you know, the left is very good at spinning things, and they're very good at attacking. And, um, you know, the timing of this could have been way better, of course. And, you know, um, it's something that I would love to see him jump into. I love Jim Jordan. I think he would be a phenomenal speaker, but it's really hard to pull him away from the judicial side of things because, you know, he has the loudest voice and he's the one that seems to be pushing most, um, you know, to to go after Hunter Biden, keep the uh, DOJ accountable, um, IRS, and, you know, everything that Americans face on a daily basis with, um, you know, the weaponization of the DOJ, it, uh, I, I, it would be really hard-pressed to lose him. And that being said, too, I don't know how much speed Scalise can get done. You know, I, I pray for no, the help. No, I, I love Steve Scalise, but, but he doesn't mm-hmm. have the, the, the fire in his belly. And Chris, the poor guy's facing cancer right now, and he was shot. Right, I know. Yep. You know, I mean, yep. nothing against Steve Scalise, but those things take a toll. But uh, now here's a question, though. Can the Speaker of the House um, serve on a committee or, or be a part of a committee? If the Speaker of the House runs the House, basically, why mm-hmm. can't the Speaker, can any member of Congress, you know, join a committee to ask questions? I think they can. They don't generally. I, but I don't think there's any prohibition. I believe they can, but... Yeah, I don't know if it's actually because, you know, they keep rewriting rules here on these things. And obviously um, McCarthy bowed to a few concessions, obviously, when I guess in the 15th round, no pun intended there either. That's true. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it essentially, you know, I really don't know. I mean, I don't I can't recall a speaker being on a committee um, in the last, I'd say, what, 20 years. So um, but. I don't know, to be honest I'm with you, because think. I think Trump I, I would think join them all. <laughs> I think a lot of people in Watergate joined in. I got to the United States in 1972. You know, I was 12 years old. Right? Mm-hmm. So my first experience in the United States was watching this country impeach a president. I thought, hmm, this is an interesting place. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, my goodness. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was my introduction. Yeah, I didn't know much about the United States when I got uh, – I do now, <laughs> but that was then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it can be done. Um, but so here's the thing about Trump, and I thought about this. If he here, here's a question for you: If he had a daily press conference as Speaker, and said, "Here's what we've done. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what I'm looking at," you know, he could that could actually be his daily campaign speech or his daily campaign Absolutely. and take questions from the press. And then you know, when he has a has a primary uh, in Iowa, he just go fly out to Iowa like the weekend before. Uh, and then he has a primary mm-hmm. in New Hampshire, you know, fly out to New Hampshire the week before because he still everything he says is going to be national news if he's Speaker. So he could campaign there. And then what I think he should do is be, pres- be, be Speaker of the House until July of 2024, because the nomination is in August for, for a Republican right. presidential candidate, right? So he quits in July, resigns in Speaker, he resigns his Speakership in July, right? He's already won the primaries, you know, he's already won them anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and then go and then take the nomination. And then, uh, and then he's free to campaign, you know, to blast uh, Brandon or whoever the Democrats put up until Election Day. How's that sound? I think it's great. I think he would pull out probably before then, though, probably sometime in March, um, just because, I, I, you know, the, the fraud aspect of things that, you know, we've already seen in the last election and, you know, mm-hmm. being with his uh, being in these states and things. But, you know, you make a really interesting point there, Greg, because I believe that he would probably at that point in time also take down most of the mainstream media, because I can guarantee you CNN, MSNBC and others would not want to televise his press conferences. So they would be doing a disservice to the American people by not showing the Speaker of the House and talking about that. what is going on in the world. Yeah, so he there's would no doubt about every single press yeah. conference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guess he's not covering me. So yeah, yeah. Oh, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. Fake news, fake news. <laughs> yeah. Here's a question though too. One of the, I, I, the two people I wanted to be uh, Speaker of the House. One was Jim Jordan, uh, and the second mm-hmm. was Devin Nunez. And Devin Nunez would be independent. 
He's not in Congress right now. I think it was a huge mistake right. for him to leave uh, the Intelligence uh, Committee to, to go run Truth Social because nobody's really heard of him since. Yeah, okay, good. So we agree on that. But if I was, I, and I put this out, and I think I wrote an article and I talked about it, but my reach isn't as big as it should be yet. Um, but I thought Devin Nunez would be the perfect person because he is independent, unlike Trump. He wouldn't be a member of Congress, so he could come and go as he pleased. He wouldn't have a constituency he was responsible to, except the whole American mm-hmm. people. He could do exactly what he was doing on intelligence and do that as speaker, and Jim Jordan could stay on judiciary. How's that for a scenario? I like that scenario a lot. Um, I, now, I didn't like you know, actually being hired by um, – so he was actually hired by TMTG, which is Trump Media and Technology Group. Mm-hmm. So he has more hats than just the true social aspect, and – Let's be oh. honest, True Social, it's been a disaster, um, you know, them using Mastodon code and things. I believe they probably selected all this before Devin came over, but, mm. you know, there was so much that they did wrong with that. I mean, you have the most basic code that's been around since, I believe, 2008 and, you know, really didn't start getting developed really until 2011. And, you know, to this date, you know, you have something that's supposed to be America's big tent for social media. You can't mm-hmm. live stream. You can't. You, there's no features there. You know, you can't upload more than six minute oh, videos, and that's interesting. those are problems. Those are very big problems that they should have already addressed. And obviously, not being able to be in, um, you know, Google Play for as long as they were. You know, those are problems that you know something like you know me when we were doing this, I was a one person staff, and I was able to build all this by myself. Yeah, I know that. So feeling. there's no excuse for someone to have. Billions, <laughs> oh, you have reporters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I but I mean, there's no excuse for for billions to be put behind this, and it's not even Trump's money; it's other people's money. It's you know, um, you know, hedge funds. It's everything else they're trying to get oh, done. Oh, it's Action Radio. And then you, I'll sh- I'll show you Action. You want to see Action? Let's give us just a <laughs> just a, a, a tiny fraction of of what they get. I mean, we operate on, on virtually no budget here, you know, and uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. change that because we got some plans. I'm going to tell you some things off the air. Uh, we have we have a Citizen Legislation Day plan. We are going to do a whole showcase mm-hmm. of our bills. Maybe your help on that, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you about that later. We're not going totally public yet, but uh, this, this is fascinating to me. Uh, the, the way social media works, and this is, this is definitely a question for you, um, that mm-hmm. I, still, I still use Facebook because it reaches the most people. Now, I want to change sure. Section 230. I don't need a million other companies. Getter, uh, what is some of the other ones? True Social, all these little extra spinoffs. Nobody uses them because mm-hmm. we're all on Facebook. So the question is, yeah, it's actually why don't we true. just I mean, we fight with them every day. We have nine, okay. we have nine million people, but only about, I'd say, you know, anywhere from 500 to 700,000 active daily um, hmm. that, you know, and the only reason that they, they, you know, these nine million people aren't here at all times, first and foremost was that we were shut down from the app stores. And we were number one in the app stores. Right. We were gaining, you know, sometimes 20 to 50,000 members a day, you know, mm-hmm. for a good five day period. And then they shut us down. So, um, you know, that's one of the reasons because we would have definitely been a household name by now. But you're right. Like the yeah. getters, it, it's almost featureless as well. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Jason Miller obviously has good ties with Trump and obviously great ties in the media. But, you know, th- there's no way to really sustain these when you have the Facebook out there and being, you know, mm-hmm. they have billions of people on there and they have billions mm-hmm. of bots that drive advertising content. I mean, there's so much wrong with Facebook, but there's nothing anybody can do about it because of just like we said, the 120 billion uh, that they're about to hit this year in revenue. I mean, um, no, there is if, 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 <laughs> actually there is something yeah, you can do. If, if, Our if bill. the EU finds them, yeah. well, I hope so, but um, if the EU finds them that 6%, that would be probably the gross domestic product of so many nations, just that 6% alone. So, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's, it's a staggering I'm, number. I'm curious. So this is, is this like a tax on them, or is this a, a fine for doing things the EU government doesn't want? What exactly is this 6%? 
That is, the, you had it right on the head on the ladder there. Um, 6% is a, it's, so it's up to 6% of their gross annual worldwide revenue. For so um, for sharing something that they deem to be illegal or allowing people to come, you know, come on and spread whatever they deem is misinformation. And that's where I get into the problem with it again. Cause we go back to the free speech. Yeah. Yep. Why are you able to say that this is not free speech or so? Yeah. It's again, it's always a fine line with that argument, but, and I don't know if it'll ever be perfected. I hope it is one day, but um, yeah. It, so, but, and I don't know Meta's revenue. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know X's revenues now. Um, I know they've taken a major, major hit and it seems like they just continue to take that major hit. And one thing, too, that really stands out to me is uh, Thierry Breton, uh, the EU commissioner and, again, the face of this Digital Services Act, mm-hmm. after he got into a public battle on X with Musk, he told his people to go to Blue Sky, which is Jack Dorsey's new platform after he left Twitter. So, hmm. I mean, like, what is that all about either? You've know, you got <laughs> you to question this person out there endorsing Blue Sky at the same time as just trying to have whatever roles that they came up in their head and their hearts, I guess. He's probably got stock in yeah, it. Right? I mean, you got, yeah. you got to question that. I mean, and I hope oh, a lot of people I did because I don't really get on X too much. X, X banned me again, um, which is insane oh. because all I did was try to advertise with them. Yeah. Um, I joined back I up left. in March. I used to. Yeah. Well, well I, 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 I mean, I've got an account back. there. Yeah, I can have an account only yeah. so I can watch Tucker Carlson's videos. That's the only reason. Because they, mm-hmm. you know, for, for a wide open thing, I was still just as sensitive as I was when it was Twitter. But here's a question for you. This is, this, you opened up a whole can of worms that I never thought about. Um, the idea that if Facebook, you know, they have their, what I call the fact chuckers. So they check out the facts. Mm-hmm. So the fact checkers at Facebook, right? This is, this is going to sound really funny when I say it. So the fact checkers in Facebook toss out things that they don't that they don't want people to know. In other words, what they call misinformation is like you know against their propaganda. And then the European right. Union has their own propaganda, which is different than Facebook's propaganda. So then the European Union labels Facebook's propaganda, which is misinformation, as misinformation to them, and they then fine them for it. So it becomes a propaganda war. You know, in, in money, this is fascinating. I mean, the, the, you've got two different levels of misinformation. Governments are using this term when it really is. It's not free speech. It's, it's, it's true speech. Yes, we need free speech is good. But uh, true speech is up to, the, to the, the person listening. But do you see like a misinformation war where, where governments are going to be going after corporations for money because they can by labeling something that they've already labeled as misinformation? This is fascinating. So we can have a can of war. I do. And. I do. And you know what? I have to share these documents with you because I'd like you to see um, Benny Thompson signed uh, demands from us um, during Mm -hmm. the J6 uh, Select Committee, you know, House investigation. But um, he actually asked us, well, he Uh asked us in there, literally, it's it's under whatever, I don't even know what he asked for. I mean, I know everything he asked for, but I don't know where he put this. But he, he threw in there, he wanted us to define what we thought misinformation and disinformation was. I mean, why would you ask that? If you weren't going to well, start to, doing to box what we you just in. talked about, you know, well, I, <laughs> exactly. I would say there is no misinformation. Exactly. There, there is just information, and and whether it's true, you know, so it's not misinformation. There's there's true information, and there's things that aren't, and but you can't define that because what's you know, it's one man's meat is another man's poison. You know, mis- mm-hmm. they they labeled hydroxychloroquine as misinformation, even though we know it saves, saves lives and would cure COVID for about twenty bucks. We know that, and you we got did. to link. We, and you know what? And, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's incredible that that Michigan um I think she was a, a local representative there. Um she went out and said that hydroxychloroquine saved her life. It was an African American mm-hmm. woman from She was a Democrat. I believe somewhere around Flint or Detroit and Yeah. Boy did they shut her down. Her own party shut her down and she's out there literally just saying that hey, this saved my life. 
So, I mean, you, you have to really ask what these um, individuals, you know, truly what their intentions are, because if you're mm-hmm. out there, granted, I know some physicians said this is not right for, I mean, what is right for everybody, though? Of course, you have to be one-on-one with your physician to see if it's going to work for you, but I think anybody put in that situation back then, if they had a dying loved one from COVID, pneumonia, flu, whatever the heck they thought it was at that point in time, they would try anything to save their life. And hydroxychloroquine, is not, it's not going to put them in the grave. So you even, know, even if it doesn't work, point? it's not going to hurt you. See, like ivermectin, same exactly. thing. even if it doesn't work, it's not going to hurt you. You know, and that's that's the crazy part about it. But misinfor- let's talk about misinformation and truth because I think the the the, the, the blurring the, the, I want to kind of explore this. I've never thought about this. This is, this is a brand new you know brain process here. But the cure for information is is better information. The cure for for bad ideas is good ideas. So free speech. Everything has to be able to be accessed. You know, the most hateful, horrible, nasty things. You know, Hamas, you know, should be able to say what they say so we understand them. If you block the Mm -hmm. access to that, we don't understand how truly horrible and depraved these people are. So you need to have that. So when I block Hamas, well, obviously obviously some of the the pictures, yeah, maybe. Because, again, we're talking words here. You know, ideas, sure. opinions, evidence, arguments, and conclusions. Those are, that's how I define speech. And speech is all done with words. So if you're not using words, you're not speaking. You're doing something else. And so, mm-hmm. so, so, so my limitation would be everything. You can't label something misinformation. Well, you can label it misinformation, but then you have to prove it. Okay? So labeling something misinformation does nothing. It has no effect. So this is what we need to do. We need to create a situation where anybody can say, you know, what you're saying is a lie. That's misinformation. But then you have to prove it because the other person comes back and says, well, no, no, it's not. And here's why. That's how we get to truth. So what we're really looking for is true speech. We're looking for true information. And the only way to find that is with rigorous debate. And the only way to have that rigorous debate is to have all parties have free access to Absolutely. The, 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 the mechanism of speech. So, again, I wrote an article, the cure for COVID was freedom. Because if, if freedom, you know, reigned throughout this, and people don't understand this, but the, there, you can't put a restriction on the Constitution or constitutional rights. There is no escape clause. There is no on and off switch, as one of my colleagues, Pianchi, says. There is no ability, you know, for the greater good or for all that. There's a bunch of nonsense. The Constitution in the worst pandemic and the worst nuclear war still has full effect. You can never use that as an excuse to take rights away from people. And had they not done that, they took away rights for the specific purpose of promoting fear, killing people, bringing on a vaccine that wasn't needed. It's not even a vaccine. And all this horrible stuff happened because we didn't have freedom. So information is the same thing. So what you do in creating a free speech platform, you can't allow anybody to say it's misinformation. Well, you can allow anybody to say it's misinformation, but that has no effect. They can't then do something because of it. Neither government nor private industry can restrict free speech because it is only correct free speech as determined by people individually that makes something uh, you know, valid and something that people will go for. And people are going to believe different things. So we have to keep free speech yeah. open. Yeah. The no, only we caveat. Do. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the only caveat oh, I was just gonna say, you, is that you made, it's, it's, you made a great okay, point. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, thank you. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, you made a great well, point there with saying, you know, having... The, the, oh, yeah. sure, go ahead. Please, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, here's, here's the last little bit of this. It's just like guns. You know, we have a right to keep them bare, but once you start using it, that comes under statutory law. Same thing with speech. You have an absolute mm-hmm. right to speech. The government cannot restrict that, but once you start speaking, you know, if you yell fire in a crowded theater and there's no fire, you're in trouble. If you yell fire in a crowded theater and there is a fire, now you're a hero. <laughs> okay, so... Using speech is different than there's still libel and slander laws and things like that and threatening public officials. So when you start speaking is when you become subject to to various laws. But the speech itself, the right cannot be touched. 
that make sense? It makes a ton of sense. And, and just what I was trying to say there about the, the great point that you made was mm-hmm. really the only way to get anywhere and to learn about each other is to have, you know, a, like you said, a, a, an open and free debate. And what we've seen within probably the last seven years now is conservatives not having that voice anymore and not be able to get the accounts they you mm-hmm. know, lost because they were already trying to do that. And um, it, it's really, it, you know, in talking to you right now, Greg, um, it, it makes you, and I hope your listeners are thinking the same thing, but it, it's a great internal debate that we all have to go in with ourselves and realize how much trouble we truly are in at this point because mm-hmm. what we have just seen in these last seven, eight years in terms of censorship, what we're seeing now with you know um, our version of the Digital Services Act, Restrict Act, the TikTok kill bill is essentially what they call it, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things that we're seeing right now, we're still seeing you know, Facebook censoring everybody that they don't agree with, and, and we're leading up into Granted, we hear it every single election, but the most important election of our lifetime, and I truly definitely believe this one is as well. But we're going to see this become worse over the next, let's say, nine to ten months in running up into this, you know, this election here. It's going to be unprecedented times. Um, there's going to be so many challenges to, to pretty much every single thing that someone puts up on, you know, whatever social media platform they're on. And who knows, you know, EU's been very adamant about these things. I mean, if, if you take just a few seconds to do an internet search, you'll see that, you know, Thierry Breton himself is sending these letters and then he's getting into these arguments in a public forum and then literally going out and endorsing other platforms. So um, the motivation behind this, the, the 6% fine, I don't even know how they could possibly uphold that. I mean, I guess the only recourse they would have is to shut them down in their country. But um, it's something that it, it, we're at a crossroads here, and we really need to stand up to this and state, what can we do to stop it? And to me, the only way to do that is to get out and vote and make sure there's no voter fraud this time. And that's a, that's a tall task. There's no doubt about that. There's one other way, too. Uh, if you and anybody in social media and all the folks that you know get behind a check bill, it is so simple mm-hmm. to understand. It says that, that the current immunity that big tech enjoys from anything anybody posts, anything in Messenger, uh, and anything people do with search engines, that will still exist because they're providing a service. However, however, that immunity instantly goes away if they touch an account, if they touch anything in Messenger, if they touch anything on groups, if they shadow ban, censor, restrict, lower in the news feed, mm-hmm. if they get rid of anybody's account, or if they arrange anything on a search engine beyond the raw number of hits. If they do any of those things, they lose their liability. See, that's when the national trial lawyers take over and they start suing their ass. You know, do the same thing to big tobacco. Yeah. Uh, you do it to big, uh, big tech. If you and a bunch of other folks could just get behind that bill and publicize it and get it in the news and enough in the news that people start polling on it and it becomes a campaign issue. And we just had Steve Stern on the show yesterday. I'm, I'm going to talk to him about talking to Trump directly because I want to get associated with mm-hmm. that campaign. If you just pick up that one bill, you know, big tech ending censorship by taking away, by, by removing their immunity to liability if they touch anything that, that happens on the products that they, uh, they put out there. That's it. So you take away the second, second section of Section 2 that says they can remove anything mm-hmm. that they find, you know, lewd, lascivious, graphically violent. Okay, that's, but those, are, those are the pornography laws. They don't even have to give that a big tech. Those, that's already covered in law. But the last one, the two most dangerous words, otherwise objectionable. So Congress gave the ability of big tech to remove anything they find objectionable, which means anything that isn't their propaganda. Right. Okay, so you remove that second part of, of, of uh, Section 230. You keep their immunity if they don't touch your account. You remove their immunity if they do touch your account or anything you do. That's it. That's the whole bill. 
I think it's that's that yeah. I, I read that too, actually on your on your site there, and I think it's fantastic. Uh-huh. I mean, that was that, I read that before we had our first interview. So, mm. I mean, I would be a hundred percent behind that, and um, you know, it it actually goes against my protections as a as a social media owner, and I don't care yeah. because I'm on your side. <laughs> well, that so, goes against um, your protections. Yeah. I mean, you might have to go anytime now because we're at the bottom of the hour. But uh, yeah, I have a ten thirty five that I have to hop on to. But I mean, okay. so essentially, you know, in theory. Social media companies want this protection. They want to be able to say, okay, this is otherwise objectionable, so we can kind of limit our liabilities in terms of, let's say, libel and slander cases. Mm-hmm. Many, many different avenues you can think about. Anything that we allow to be there could put us, you know, in some type of, uh, you know, liable for any type of, you know, there's so many frivolous lawsuits that are being filed on a daily basis. Um, right. You just never know what someone could come up with. Now, granted, whether it gets actually some, some traction in court, that's another question. You'd have immunity, I, That's though. what I'm saying. So. Yeah, I, I get it. And but these people would still want to be able to take something down because it goes against. We're going back to what you stated earlier. You know, individuals investing um, into politicians. I mean, I don't know how much Facebook has given to the Democratic Party. I don't know how much they've given <laughs> to California Democrats. But yeah. you know, those things come into play as well. That's why I think what it all comes down to. And um, you know, they're going to protect who they who they put their dollars behind. And uh, that's what we've seen for the last eight years. And Let's hope that we can change that together, Greg, because I'd be happy to help you spread that bill, that's for sure. We'll talk off the air. <laughs> Tell me about Jim Jordan. you got about two minutes before you have to go to your next uh, interview. Tell me about uh, uh, what can we do to get him – what's the latest on Jim Jordan? Well, I mean, so you have what they're now calling the hardliners um, wanting to line up behind Jim Jordan, which I think the hardliners is a funny, funny word. But, um, I mean, I just don't know – here's the thing. I think that Donald Trump should go in there right now and be speaker. I believe that he would have no problem getting the 217 votes needed, and you can keep Jim Jordan, you know, the, the firebrand that he is on the side of judicial, keeping, you know, the DOJ, um, anybody that's, you know, running rampant in the FBI, uh, obviously the Hunter Biden aspect, um, you know, work with Comer to get all that information out into the forefront. But, you know, I, I would like to see Trump do this until we can actually get organized and find somebody that we want to put 217 votes behind because, we just don't have time. This was not the best time to do this, um, and it's going to – I think Matt Gates had a plan because this is what's going to be defines his career. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. question about that. So um, mm. the only thing I can think of is I, I think, again, Jordan would be an incredible speaker. There's no doubt about that, um, but I think that he should certainly stick to judicial at this point in time. Let's let Trump come in here for – I mean, I'd love to – why not run up until July like you said? Yeah. Um, that would give it these. It would give everyone a, a very great, uh, you know, time frame to get behind who we want to get behind, and that's a great plan. I mean, I don't think Scalise is the answer, but we need somebody in there right now. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I'm gonna make sure I post that article on uh, on my account at uh, Wimkin, so you can take a look at that. Take a look at our recent shows. We've had incredible guests on recently. Uh, it's been uh, awesome. including you. You know, I love having you on. Well, thank and you. So, uh, <laughs> so let's so let's get your contact. Let's get all that stuff because I know you have another interview in two minutes. Sounds great, Greg. I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Oh, contact. Wimkin, where do we find it? Oh, sorry. That's, uh, so it's the answer world must know now. It's W-I as in Mary. I'm sorry, W-I, M as in Mary, K-I-N as in Nancy.com. That's our web version. And if you like apps, you can get us in the Apple App Store and uh, the Google Play stands uh, with them as well. So. Okay, now you can go. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. All right, Greg. All right, thank you so much, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. That was funny. (laughs) 
this is what happens when I get to know people. We get we get a little silly. So I do have a call on the line. I'm going to scream my call because I don't recognize the number. Uh, and so let's do that. And then we'll uh, I'm going to play something here just because so I have to go mute myself for a bit here. That's the only way this works. Let me see what I want to do. What do I want to do now? I'm, I'm, this has been such a crazy show today. I absolutely love it. Let me. I need a couple of minutes here. Let me see if I got uh, something that. What can I play? Is it time for a jazz break? I think it's time for a jazz break. Okay, back in a couple minutes. Back in actually four minutes.
Okay, that actually worked well because that's uh, that's a future guest on the show. So <laughs> they called the wrong day. That's okay. It happens. Um, so anyway, um, that that was kind of fun. So uh, I'm glad I had that. I put the jazz break. Gave me a couple minutes to uh, uh, to to take care of, of this. And so I'm back. So I'm back. And this is a good time to call. I got like 20 minutes. You know, I don't have anything particularly planned. Um, the the thing about our, our folks, our national guests that come in, a lot of times they only have half an hour because that's how they're scheduled. And so they do all these different interviews all day long. After after talking to Action Radio, though, I, I have a feeling, <laughs> I don't know, I mean, how much energy? We, we I really ask a lot of questions. And uh, that was a pretty involved, uh, pretty intense half hour. I'm tired. And, you know, I'm just the guy asking the questions. Um, so that was, but it's been a crazy show all day. So we've had uh, a whole lot of fun. All right. So let me uh, continue on here. And anybody wants to call in 215-383-3832. We also have live chat. And we have a couple messages. Marco in the Netherlands uh, talks about uh, used to call into shows to listen with Skype. Yeah, a lot of people do call in and just listen. And I'd rather have folks not do that, but use our, our website, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Because if you call the show, I'm going to see if you want to talk. I mean, that's the main purpose that people call. Now, we do have a Skype line to the show. So anybody can call in from anywhere in the world when I'm on the air. And so what you do is you call in, and then I approve your account. And then you can actually call in the next day or any time after that, and I can take you live. I'm working on a producer. We'll have a producer soon. Uh, but in the meantime, it's me. So this is the only way I can screen a call is to play something and kind of we, – we have what's called the screening room. And so I can put people in the screening room, and that doesn't go out on the air. At least I hope not. I don't think so. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, but uh, anyway, so that's how that works. Anyway, so I've got a little bit of time. So let me I've, – I've got several things I want to comment on besides the, the – the, back to the serious part. Um, the weapons that, uh, the, that Obama you know, told Brandon to surrender – uh, in uh, in Afghanistan, they're ending up with all the terrorist groups that are killing Americans, Israelis, you know, all us good folks. Um, and that's a horrible thing. But uh, the other thing is, uh, Bonnie was talking about, we're going to follow up next week with the, the, the connections between Obama and Hamas and Iran and the Muslim Brotherhood. And so we're going to follow up. I might do that. Um, I might save that for Wednesday. I don't know. I've got several articles on that. So I might uh, want to have some spare time, which I don't have much of because I have so many wonderful reporters now and guests. You know, there's very little spare time in this show now. Now i got 20 minutes. This is it. You know, so anyway, let me get you a Newsweek article. Newsweek has changed. Newsweek has become wonderful. Uh, they used to be terrible. They were just liberals, you know, for a long time. And now something's, they must have new management or something. So here's uh, William K. Arkin, A-R-K-I-N. Uh, this is from October 4th. So just a few days ago, uh, before the, uh, the Hamas, uh, you know, murderous terrorist attack on Israel. And it says, exclusive, Donald Trump followers targeted by FBI as 2024 election nears. Well, we know we're targeted. I'm censored constantly. So I want to welcome the members of the FBI KGB who are listening to, if you want to, if you have the balls to do so, just call the show, 215-383-3832. I'm happy to engage you in conversation. And if you raid my house, at least give me enough warning to make coffee so we can have a civilized chat. Otherwise, you know, it's just you guys doing your thing with the flashbangs and, you know, you know I'm going to get sarcastic. I tell you, you arrest me, I'm going to get sarcastic. That's it. That's just the way it's going to go. All right. So the article says the federal government believes that the threat of violence and major civil disturbances around the 2024 U.S. presidential election is so great that it has quietly created a new category of extremists that it seeks to track and counter Donald Trump's army of MAGA followers. Let me put this in perspective. All right. January 6th. And I want to talk about this with Jason a bit more. January 6th was a coup, was a takeover of the U.S. government by an illegal operation known as the deep state. It involves Democrats, Republicans, the Capitol Hill police, the D.C. police, um, people all around the country, you know, who, who made uh, election fraud that stole the election for Brandon. 
January 6th was the last, well, not the last, but it was the, the, the last um, actual stealing of the election. The first stealing of the election took place on Election Day. The second stealing of the election took place when electors were blocked from voting for Donald Trump, as happened in liberal states. Uh, and then the states, uh, you know, in, in, to counter that, uh, the battleground states had two slave electors. The state legislatures put forward Trump electors as well as Brandon electors. So the third stealing of the election was when Mike Pence, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> sorry, oh, I should have muted myself, when Mike Pence uh, said that he could not send the, the electors back to the states. That was a lie. In fact, the Constitution required him to do that because the state legislators control the elections. So he had to send those two slates back saying, give us one slate. But even if he failed to follow the Constitution and, and committed an illegal act then, we still had January 6th when every state's electors come up for approval in the Congress to certify the count. Now, there were seven battleground states. I've been over this before, but it's probably useful to do it again to correct that really horrible statement. <clears throat> there were seven battleground states, states that had two slates of electors, both Brandon, which were the illegal ones, because he sold the election, and the Trump ones, which were the real ones. Okay, so you had Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, Michigan, Minnesota, uh, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Those are the seven battleground states. Now, some of those states have both Republican governors and Republican state legislatures. Some of those states only have Republican legislators, but have Democrat governors, and a couple of them have both Democrat governors and Democrat legislators. Why they sent two slates, I have no idea. <clears throat> that to me is really interesting. But anyway, the point was there were enough electors sent from uh, Pennsylvania and uh, either Georgia or Michigan and any other state to give Trump over 270. Okay, so Trump won the election. We know that. So January 6th was all about stopping the certification debate. So in other words, they didn't want Congress. If the Congress debated uh, which slate of electors to take, they could have voted Trump electors and Brandon wouldn't have uh, been able to steal the election. See, this is what January 6th was all about. It was stopping the certification count. It was stopping the debate. And how did they do that? Well, they brought a whole bunch of Trump supporters upstairs, called it an insurrection, put the, the, uh, the Congress downstairs under uh, the Capitol and then committed the real coup, the real insurrection, arm twisted, told these people, you better not vote, you know, Trump. You better not vote for Trump. Look at those people upstairs. They're, they're causing an insurrection when they were actually causing an insurrection below the Capitol. All right. So the Trump supporters with their selfies walking in the ropes who were basically forced into the Capitol, into the Capitol on January 6th. I know I had people there. We had, uh, you know, a couple of our reporters were there. All right. So I know all about it. And I've talked to people over there. I talked to Brandon Straka. I know all about this. Okay. And so the real coup took place under. So Antifa, Black Lives Matter, the mercenaries, the other FBI operatives, uh, Capitol Hill Police, D.C. Police, basically forced or enticed or entrapped the Trump supporters into going to the Capitol so they could use them uh, as the decoy uh, and, as the, uh, and call them the insurrection when the real insurrection took place under the Capitol by arm twisting. And, of course, seven hours later, after seven hours of arm twisting, where there was nothing in the congressional record, they came back upstairs and dutifully voted for the Brandon electors because that's what they're told to do on pain of who knows what they're threatened with. No campaign funds, whatever. Who knows? We don't know. No one's talking. They should, but they're not. Believe me, I get a member of Congress on, first thing I'm going to ask him, what were you doing for seven hours under the Capitol while Trump supporters were upstairs taking selfies? Okay? That's what I want to know. So this whole idea that uh, a category of extremists has anything to do with Trump, you know who the extremists are? The deep state, the FBI, the Department of Justice, uh, all the prosecutors across the country, all the George Soros DAs, all the U.S. attorneys, those are the extremists. Merrick Garland, Chris Ray, Ray Epps, 
you know, all the Democrats in Congress, they are the extremists. All the Republicans that go along with them, the geldings that don't do anything, they are the extremists. They're the ones who want to destroy this country, not the Trump supporters. MAGA, make America great again. The only thing we're extreme in is our extreme love for America. I think I might quote that on a bumper sticker. It's pretty good. That's who we are. That's what's extremist. That's it. That's the only thing that's extreme about Trump supporters. They're obviously not violent. In fact, they even clean up after themselves in rallies. Okay. When have you ever seen anything happen at a Trump rally? You don't. Why? Because Trump followers are peaceful. Now, it's interesting. People say, you know, there's a bunch of white supremacists. Really? Have you seen all the people at a Trump rally? <laughs> they're not all white. All right. You know, they're not all male. They're not all Christian. They're from all over the planet, basically, all the people that come here that make America great. So they never say make America great. You notice that they always talk about MAGA, like it's a bad day. And they get this bad voice, MAGA, the MAGA bots. They're MAGA people. Oh, I hurt my voice. I didn't even drink the water. That's pretty bad. I won't do that again. Mm. There we go. Back to dulcet tones. Thank you very much. No, but they talk about MAGA. They never say make America great again. And they can't. You people, you just want to make America great again. Well, like that's an insult? <laughs> Come on. So they can't. So they call it extremists. So they, they always say MAGA, but they never say what it means. So this is why Republicans are such idiots. And Donald Trump, says, well, he actually says, make America great again. But anytime someone says MAGA, the, if it's a conservative news station, they should, except for, well, there's only one real conservative station. That's One American News. Newsmax, they're, they're kind of in the tank for anybody but Trump, which is kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting having Ron DeSantis on my show as my very last interview um, back in 2018. That was kind of fun, too. All right. So the idea of the extremists is Trump. No, the extremists are the coup, the people that stole the government, the traitors. Okay. Those are the extremists, the people that are trying to destroy this country, who stole the government, who put a mental incompetent in the White House, that keep him there. Obama, Hillary Clinton, Susan Rice. Those are the extremists, the people behind the scenes, Michelle Obama, all these folks. And the folks that are in, in, in front of the scenes but are still working behind the scenes, Chuck Schumer, uh, Nancy Pelosi, all these people, these are the extremists. All right? These are the people who are trying to destroy this country. So now I put that in perspective. Let me go to the second paragraph. Then Newsweek says, maybe they're not so good, as I thought. The second paragraph says, the challenge for the Federal Bureau of Investigation, ooh, how formal, the FBI, the primary federal agency charged with law enforcement. Well, let's talk about that, too. Um, has anybody noticed anything in the Constitution that calls for a national law enforcement bureau? <laughs> no, <laughs> because law enforcement is a state function. The federal government is only in charge of three crimes. In fact, we wrote a bill on this. Treason, piracy, and counterfeiting. That's it. Treason is, by the Congress, uh, they, they define treason in times of war. So treason takes place during a declared war, giving aid and comfort to the enemy, okay? betraying your country to the enemy. That's treason. We use it all the time for, for like civil treason, but technically that's what it is. Um, piracy. That's on the high seas, folks. <laughs> At least it was back in the 1700s when the Constitution was, was written. Can we have air piracy? Absolutely. So who handles piracy? The Navy, the Coast Guard, the Air Force, the Air National Guards? Who hires, you know, who handles piracy on land? State police, <laughs> you know, local police. You know, so, so piracy is already handled. Uh, in fact, if somebody has to be arrested for treason, who's going to do that? Well, probably the U.S. Marshals. Well, who handles counterfeiting? Well, that's the Secret Service which needs to go back to Treasury where they belong. So there is no need for a Federal Bureau of Investigation. It's unconstitutional. The fact that they're armed makes it even more unconstitutional because there's nothing in the Constitution that says any member of the federal government can be armed. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> okay. So they're not, there is no primary federal agency charged with law enforcement because there's no law enforcement mentioned in the Constitution. 
So they're illegal. So get rid of them. Anyway, it says the primary, uh, this is, but let's go back to what Newsweek says now that I've started this, now I've got myself into this mess. The primary federal agency charged with law enforcement is to pursue and prevent what it calls domestic terrorism without direct reference to political parties or affiliations. Well, that's an interesting statement. Slam my computer over a little bit. So it says, so, so the, is that the primary purpose of the FBI to pursue and prevent what it calls domestic terrorism? No, it's what we call domestic terrorism. And that would be Antifa, Black Lives Matter, the mercenaries that work with the FBI, various law enforcement agencies that were part of the coup, and things like that. Those are, those are that's domestic terrorism. Uh, the Department of Justice uh, going after, uh, like Roger Stone, showing up with the whole SWAT team. That was domestic terrorism by a federal agency. So let's call it what it is. Without direct reference to political parties, I'll get that in a minute. This is our affiliations. Even though the vast majority of its current, quote, anti-government investigations are of Trump supporters. See, that's, that's what we call a political prisoner, all right? They, they say weaponizing of the Defense Department. That's kind of a tame term. This is, this is political. It's not assassination. It's character assassination. They haven't killed anybody yet, but they could. You know, they killed that man in, in uh, Nevada. You know, all he does is put, we put some really stupid posts on, on uh, Twitter. That was dumb, okay? Don't threaten public officials on Twitter. That's just dumb, uh, even if you don't plan to do it. It's illegal. Don't do it. Okay, but you shouldn't get, you know, invaded at six in the morning and shot and killed for it as they try and make brownie points. So there we go. So 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 what is anti-government? I'm anti-government. That's bad. I'm anti-bad government. I'm pro good government. Well, what's good government? Well, that's the government that complies with the Constitution. I'm against I'm anti-government for those that don't comply with the Constitution, which would be anybody in the current, you know, Obama Brandon administration. They're anti-government because they're 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 not a legal government. So they're definitely anti-government. Anybody in the deep state, any, any uh, member of the uh, Democrat or Republican Party that supports the deep state that violates the Constitution, they are anti-government. So let's call this what it is. This is through the looking glass stuff. Now, isn't it, now why, would, why would the Department of Justice consider only Trump supporters as extremists? Unless the, the real war was against Trump supporters. Well, who are Trump supporters? People that want to make America great again. So the real war in this country, the extremists in the federal government, are doing everything they can to pursue, arrest, and prosecute for now. They haven't started shooting or creating gulags yet, maybe later. But right now, they're prosecuting people that want to make America great. Think about that for a minute. Think about that, that the, the federal government, the illegal federal government is pursuing people that want to make America great. So in other words, making America great is now a crime punishable by massive jail terms. Think about that. You know, I think this is the land, you know, the home of the free, you know, is it the home of the land of the free, home of the brave? Well, let me get that right. Home of the free, land of the brave. I'll have to look at my, my national anthem. I'm sorry. I'm not good at memorizing. You guys know that. But think about that. What they're saying is that an illegal government is legal and it's a crime to want your country great. That's what they're saying. Oh, you're a white nationalist. Well, I just want my country to be great. What if you're black and want your country to be great? Are you a black nationalist? In other words, these labels don't mean anything. So let's talk about the real enemies. The real enemies are the people that are arresting people who want the country to be great. Why? If you arrest people who want the country to be great, that must mean you want the country to suck or be terrible or be communist or have no freedom or no property, no guns, you know, no investments, no travel, no freedom, no single-family homes, no single-family cars, no single-driver cars. 
No freedom to work where you want. No freedom to go where you want. No free to, freedom to practice the religion that you want. Because they can just label you an extremist. That's how bad this is right now. Now, Jason started talking about that. We, we're, we're on our way there. That's probably why I'm on a roll right now. This, this, this article is just infuriated with me. So it's kind of fun not to read the articles before I talk about them on the show because you get my, 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 you know, I would not be this angry if I read this last night. <laughs> You're getting it right now. Anyway, then it says the FBI is in an almost impossible position, says the current FBI official. Well, of course they say that. This is who requested anonymity to discuss highly sensitive internal matters. Yeah, I want to discuss your highly sensitive internal matters in front of the public on TV. Well, it's an ongoing investigation. I don't give a you-know-what. <laughs> I don't give a flip. If, it's, if, you, if you label something an ongoing investigation, that, that doesn't put uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the seal of, uh, of approval on it. That doesn't put a box around it. Those are the things we need to investigate the most. Because your ongoing investigations are persecuting people simply for being Trump supporters who want this country to be great. Because the FBI considers a great America a crime. Another reason to abolish the whole agency and fire them all. Yeah, take their pensions too. Unless they're whistleblowers. Whistleblowers, yeah, those folks, those folks should actually run the FBI. Oh, wouldn't that be interesting? Hey, Trump, if you become speaker, why don't you put that in a bill? Put the whistleblowers in charge of the FBI. Put Mike Flynn as attorney general. That would be interesting. Let me check live chat. I've been kind of rambling for a while here. No, oh, nobody's saying anything on live chat. Am I still on the air? No, yeah. I haven't muted myself. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> I'm going, to finish, I'm going to finish this article and shut down the show for today. It's not much much of a light anyway. I'm, I'm disgusted. I'm going to delete this article as soon as I get through it. This is really bad. But that's, this is what people are reading. Okay? So forget everything I said about Newsweek. They suck. <laughs> They're terrible. So the FBI is not in an impossible position. We are in an impossible position because the FBI, the, the federal agency that is not constitutional, that cannot legally exist, is throwing people in jail. You know, or the Department of Justice prosecutors are throwing people in jail for the crime of wanting America to be great because they want America to suck. They are moss people. Make America suck. That's who you are. You make America suck. Okay. So we should talk about the moss FBI. What's the moss FBI? That's the make America suck FBI. You're, you're mass bots. You know, you're, you're mass. We need to, you're mass communists. You're mass. I'll think of it. Mass evil. <laughs> I'll think of something. It won't take me long. I'll probably think of it right after the show. So let's go back to the, uh, the FBI official who's so concerned about their country that they want to be anonymous. Hmm, how brave of you. Then it says the official said that the FBI is intent on stopping domestic terrorism and any repeat of the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol. January 21 was attacked by the deep state. It was attacked by the FBI. It was attacked by Ray Epps. It was attacked by the Congress. The, the, uh, it was attacked by Antifa and Black Lives Matter. It was attacked by FBI mercenaries, Capitol Hill police, and the D.C. police. That's who attacked Capitol Hill. The Trump supporters were forced into the Capitol or encouraged into the Capitol, and they were entrapped in the Capitol because all the signs saying this was restricted were taken down. The doors were open. Okay? So, so how can you say a Capitol was attacked when they opened the doors? You know, like the price is right. Come on down. Come on down. The Capitol is open business. Come on down. Bring your cell phones. And while you're there, we'll call you an insurrection and use that as an excuse to twist the arms of members of Congress under the Capitol, not report it in the congressional record, force them to come back up and vote for the branded electors, even though they know that the Trump electors won. That's January 6th. Now, let me read the rest of this article. The rest of this paragraph says, but the Bureau must also preserve the constitutional... Oh, there's my 90-second warning. Fortunately, I get a little bit of overtime. But the Bureau must preserve the constitutional right of all Americans to campaign, speak, and freely protest the government. Well, wait a minute. Wasn't that what January 6th was about? 
January 6th wasn't, well, first of all, it wasn't a protest. It was support. So, but it was free speech. Okay. So the Trump supporters who were attending the Trump speech were starting an hour late, which I find interesting. We still have to resolve that. So the Trump speech started an hour late. The Trump supporters were walking to the Capitol, but Arizona was coming up for its certification. So that's why Black Lives Matter, Antifa, the FBI operatives, the mercenaries, the Capitol Hill police and the D.C. police had to go into the Capitol and stop Arizona from being uh, certified because the Trump supporters weren't there yet. Trump supporters did show up. And that's when uh, so that's why I bet you all those people that were breaking windows and, and causing all kinds of problems. I guarantee you I can't prove it yet, but I guarantee you those people were uh, all operatives of the deep state in the coup. Trump supporters, they were the cover. They were the cover for the coup. They were the camouflage for the coup. They were, to, they were the scapegoats for the coup, but they had nothing to do with the coup because all they wanted to do was to support the electoral challenges in the battleground states, the Trump, uh, the Trump electors. The only reason that people were going to the Capitol was to support Congress certifying by proper debate those states. That's what it was all about. This is my 10-second warning. So either I'll be cut off or I'll finish my sentence. One or the other is going to happen. If I'm cut off, I'll see you tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central. If I get, if I get a little bit more time, I'll finish this, uh, this paragraph. We're almost done. Yep, I think I'm still here. No, and yep, uh, I guess I'm still here. We'll find out in a minute. I'll find out, listen to the podcast. So the last thing here, it says, but the Bureau must also, pre- oh, I already said that. By focusing on former President Trump and his MAGA, make America great again. They actually said it. Make America great supporters. The official said the Bureau runs the risk of provoking the very anti-government activists that the terrorism agencies hope to counter. So what they're really saying, okay, let me explain this. Let me explain what that just sentence just last said. They want to stop anybody who wants to make America great from speaking. They want to stop anybody who has an opinion other than the coup that stole the election and now runs this country from being able to have access to uh, have their free speech. It's exactly what Jason Shepard and I talked about. They want to stop. They label anybody who wants America to be great as an extremist. Because they are the extremists. It's projection. This is all projection. You've got an agency that cannot exist constitutionally. They are armed, which cannot be done constitutionally. They're labeling people that only want to make America great as criminals when they themselves are the criminals. They want to prosecute people who want to make America great because the crime is making America great. They want to stop anybody from having free speech to talk, to talk about America being great. That's what this is all about. So who's the enemy? The enemy is the FBI. The enemy is the DOJ. The enemy is the illegal government of Brandon Obama. That, those are the domestic terrorists. Those are the risks to our country. Those are the people that need to be arrested and thrown in jail for a very, very long time because they are the source of all our problems right now. On that note, I think I'm done. Uh, Greg Pangos here for Action Radio. I'm just going to, I played you my contact information. I played all my ads, played, all my, played everything I have to play. So let me close with, uh, yeah, Marco, take care. You take care, too. Are you guys still on? Oh, I am still on. Yeah, okay, that's good. So, Marco, are you here during overtime? That's pretty cool. Marco's in the Netherlands. All right, I'm done. Uh, so tomorrow we have a full show. We've got Tara D with the Animal Shelter Report at 7 o'clock. 7.30, we have Derek up with the Financial Report. 8 o'clock, we have Candy Petticard with the, the Black Mama Bear Gun Report. <laughs> Favorite new title for our report. We have the Women's Firearm Academy report with John Pet- uh, John Delmonico, and we'll explain why a guy is running the Women's Firearm Academy. That's interesting too. And then we have my very special guest, Jenna McCarthy. Jenna McCarthy uh, wrote a book with Dr. Pierre Corey, uh, The War on Ivermectin. We're going to hear all about that tomorrow. That's going to be fascinating, fun. So that'll be at uh, 9 a.m. Of course, we're on at 7 a.m. Central Time. When uh, we'll uh, let me see, get my music all set to go. I'm talking too much. I forgot to cue up my music. 
Let me find the right one here. Anyway, seven o'clock tomorrow. We'll do it all again. So let me just find my cue. Give me some, I'm so excited. I'll tell you about adrenaline. I'm going to collapse after this show. Where's my music? Hang on. Let me go back a little bit. I'll find it. Ah, here we go. Okay, I got found it. <clears throat> Excuse me. My voice is going too. Yeah, I talk too much. Anyway, thank you all for listening. 7 o'clock uh, Central Time tomorrow, a.m. We will do it all again. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.